follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, doing good, Shad. Doing good because I'm not covered in black goop. <laughs> you didn't emerge from a box-like structure? No. That was my favorite statement um, that uh, Alvarez made in the, the post-show recap is Byron Saxon doesn't know what a box is. But uh, oh, oh, oh <laughs> I, I God! Heard, I, I heard Brian talking a little bit about that on like the Observer, yeah, podcast or radio show, and he was like, "Is, is that one of the words that Vince has like an affinity, like uh, some sort of phobia about? Like he doesn't like the word box, so it has to be." <laughs> but if that was the case, they're still saying box in the word phrase box like structures. Okay, you know what? I don't. You know, Meltzer seemed very um just over it when they were talking about it he just seems like i just sat through five wwv shows in like a week and i'm done yeah the um the word is that on that particular match pritchard and vince changed it on friday and um they're and everyone was confused and it's like, no kidding. Everyone is confused. Well, Pritchard anyway. was probably like, this Fiend concept, I don't understand it. It wasn't here 10 years ago, and I remember wrestling. So I'm going to put Randy Orton over because he was here 10 years ago. He's he's a youngin. He's only like 40. Yes. Once, uh, once Bray Wyatt is a few years older... Oh, yeah. Got a little more seasoning, then you can get a push. Yeah. Oh, maybe he could just get a win at WrestleMania. Just just that part. But anyway, enough enough headache-inducing. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode. Uh, we are going to get our shout-outs taken care of. The first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code 4CORNERSPODCAST. That is the number 4, capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast. Save 10% off your order. Our other shout-out goes to Matt. Uh, that would be to Orlando Cologne. I don't know if Orlando Cologne was on a pirate ship in Tampa, but uh, he's in uh, Puerto Rico, I guess, still. That's kind of that's close to Tampa. Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> really? No, you think it's I mean, um I think it's um I've I've been to Puerto Rico. I think it's about the same distance that like California would be from the East Coast. No, maybe not that much. It's still like a thousand miles, that's I think. No way. No way. 
I mean, I it, took, it took a couple hours to fly from. You know Miami what the biggest to... like the biggest uh, a couple hours not that much. I mean, it takes a couple hours to fly from like Dallas to San Antonio. Yeah, that's true. Like, it's it's this further is out like than the, you think though. The biggest mind screw for me was because my wife and I at one point were looking into maybe going to like Hawaii for, as on a vacation, and um, her sister lives in L.A., so it's like we could. We could have flown, seen her sister in L.A., then flown from L.A. to Hawaii, and it was going to be like like a four or five-hour flight. And it's like four or five hours. Like if I, I can literally get on a plane and fly from like Washington, D.C. to L.A. in five to six hours. It's like how far away is Hawaii? It's a lot. It's really far. It's sometimes, like right, right in the middle of the Pacific. Sometimes, too, yeah. though, with those flights, like depending on like what the, how the Gulf Stream works, it could be not as far as you think, but the plane can't go – is fast too uh apparently the big thing the one that's way out in the atlantic that we're thinking of is bermuda that's way the heck out there um but puerto rico you go down to cuba follow cuba over to haiti follow the haiti dominican republic and then puerto rico's near the dominican republic okay um, also, we have a YouTube channel. It is Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four. Uh, no space between the four and the capital C and corners. So you can find us that way. Uh, Brad, what are we going to have on there in the near future? Uh, well, we put up, well, this episode will go up on Thursday. Um, just uh, Tuesday, we put up an oldie, which is the Harley Racers Ric Flair Starcade 83 match. And I'm queuing up probably Stan Hansen and Andre, um, Mike Quackenbush versus Eddie Kingston, and I believe Loki versus Samoa Joe are in the pipeline. Cool. All right. So that's not what we're covering tonight, though, in honor of being WrestleMania season. Brad, what are we doing? So we're going to take a look at the first 17 WrestleMania main events, and we're essentially just going to rank what we liked from best to worst, but we're going to go chronologically. I think the problem is this year, Mania didn't really interest any of us. So um, I thought it'd be more fun to talk about Mania's we do like. Sure. Well, and ones we don't. We get a water cross-section that way. I mean, like, um, I'm looking... (laughs) I don't like two, four, nine, and twelve are ones I don't like out of the first seventeen. Oh, and sixteen and fifteen suck. Fifteen's <laughs> really bad. Well, fifteen might. Fifteen is low key one of the worst ones ever. Like probably a bottom it three. Abs- it absolutely is. Outside of the main event, it's just like garbage. Well, and what pisses me off about that, though, is if, if Russo just had not screwed with it and, like, left the matches as is, it would have been an okay mania. Yeah. But he All did that right. stupid so, thing where, like, Road Dog won the icy title and Billy Gunn won the hardcore title because that's interesting. It's like, no, I kind of did want to, at the time, I kind of did want to see Billy Gunn um, maybe win the icy title, but, you know, whatever. Just just flipping the uh, flipping the expectations for the sake of doing it. Um, it's like no, no, you don't don't do that. No. Oh, and that you, boss that, man that sucks. Taker 
hell oh, themselves the cell. terrible. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. so, um, well, I guess that starts us at number one then, doesn't it, Brad? Yeah, so this is Hulk Hogan and Mr. T versus Rowdy Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff with, um, with with the ace Bob Orton like in Piper's corner and then Muhammad Ali is like in an enforcer role. And I think Liberace was the timekeeper. Yeah. Boy, he had a huge grin on his face, didn't he? Well, I mean, a bunch of sweaty men rolling around in their underwear. (laughs) This is a really weird segue, but uh, have either of you ever seen the, the movie they did a few years back with no, because it uh, sounded tech... horribly depressing. Like he sounded like he yeah. was just a mess of a person. It was like it was Michael Douglas and um, God, what's his face? Not Ben Affleck. It's the other one. Matt oh. Damon. Yeah, Matt Damon. There, uh, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt Damon, and there's even like some cameos, but from by Rob Lowe, who has the most ridiculous makeup. Uh, practical effect makeup on uh, as a guy who has like a plastic surgeon who has clearly had too much plastic surgery himself it's it's (laughs) it's it's called behind it was it um behind the candelabra or something like that it's unintentionally a hilarious film mostly because michael douglas is just it's like so everyone's so over the top okay they really ruined those movies because the um what was the queen one that really like whitewashed a lot of shit that I just was, that was, Oh, is that Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. That's the one with Rami Malek, right? And he won the Oscar for it. Yeah. That one. I actually, I, I like Rami Malek, uh, Mr. Robot for those who have not seen that show. Fantastic show. I loved Mr. Robot. I'm, I, I like Rami Malek. I'm a fan, but he should not have won an Oscar for that. That, that just wasn't a good movie. But, like, there's this yeah. thing with the Academy where they really love blowing smoke up of, like, mediocre biopics um, asses. It was it was mediocre. And I hate to say that because, again, I like Rami, but it was just was so mediocre. Well, I like Queen, but then, like, people were telling me, like, it left all this stuff out. And I'm like, then why do I want to see it? Oh, I'm sure it did. It, I mean, the focus was Freddie Mercury. Yeah. That was the focus of the film. And he get it because he was obviously like the biggest star of Queen. He was the front man, but and he has he had, you know, a really compelling story. But it's a that's a it's a weird film. It's a weird film for those who haven't seen it because I'll spoil it. Like the, essentially the crux of the film is it all. I if I was a member of the LGBTQ community, I would almost be offended by this film because the premise of it is kind of like uh, Freddie Mercury was in love with this this straight woman and just you know he's gay so he just he couldn't actually make that happen but he basically like wished he could because he was what? absolutely in love with her and there's they're like it's almost like a love story between the two of them isn't that but like um, isn't that it doesn't that like harken back to like the ye olden like 80s and 90s where people thought they could fix gay people by just being attractive enough that's kind of like what that movie is subconsciously saying it Maybe. feels like I mean, I mean the real. There is it has some historical basis. In fact, like when when he passed away, he did leave like a portion of his estate to her because 
Yeah, but I mean, he, this is a this is a problem. He was he actually was in love with her, and at one point before he actually like came out, he did date her, and they they appeared to have like an actual relationship. It's just that he 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 was a homosexual man, so he he just couldn't sustain that. But it's weird. It's a weird film. <laughs> isn't that weird. but isn't that more of a product of the times though, where like it was just. It wasn't as accepted, so like you kind of faked it for a while, and like you could love someone, but it wasn't really like who you were, or, like stuff like that. But I was gonna yes. say, there's a bigger trend in Hollywood though that I find really repulsive, and they do it to both genders though. But this like how no one in movies or or people like can't see it anymore, like how platonic friendship just doesn't exist anymore. Like if you do like a movie about uh, yeah. like two women that are really close, like they eventually have to be lesbians. Like they just can't be friends or, you know, oh, yeah. you, you know, yeah. or, or you have people wanting to ship like cap and Bucky as like a gay couple. And it's like, no, they yeah. fought a war together. They're just like super close. Like, please like stop trivializing like same sex friendship because you need to like insert sex into every fucking thing in the world. Yeah. yeah. They try, they try to make it, they try to make more of it. And I, I just feel like it must be like the people who are doing that just, and I, I hate to like, hate to stereotype or cast uh, aspersions against people, but it's like, have you guys never had like normal, positive, same sex relationships? Cause I mean, I, I joke, I, I bring him up every like episode. I joke about like a you know, friend of the show, Christy Petrillo, <laughs> yeah. but he and I are good friends. Like we literally have known each other like all, almost like 20 years he was in my wedding like we're close like i call him like my brother because he's basically like my brother like i'm very close to him i talk to him like almost every day so it's like you can that, that actually those, those relationships exist yeah they, <laughs> and they, you don't... Only, in, only in hollywood <laughs> do they think like oh there must be something more it's like no yeah, <laughs> there but I, mean, isn't. I have i have fr- like my best friend i've known since the first grade and I'm a 40 year old man. Like, yeah, that's a lot. You know, that's, that's most, that's almost my entire life. I've known this person. Yeah. And you're just friends. Is that so hard to, to, to go with? I don't know. I think, I think, I think the problem too is like Hollywood really, Hollywood is a really like warped place too. So I think there the problem is, and I think Joe Rogan kind of has animated this before about like actors aren't fun to talk to because I think in Hollywood, the problem is, is like that ideal gets a little lost because everyone there doesn't have like altruistic meanings. Everyone's like just using you for one purpose or another, trying to buddy up to you to sell something. So maybe Uh. that's why things get lost. But anyway, so this is the first WrestleMania main event. Um, we talked about this on Tim's show, actually. WrestleMania 1 is really just a glorified MSG show. Um, look at Emmy, any MSG show in the era, and this is maybe just a little beefed-up version of that. So this is kind of like your standard issue, I would say, main event tag. I, it's not bad. I won't. I would never claim this is bad, but it's nothing special, and it's honestly kind of a forgettable match, as is like WrestleMania one in general. Yeah. Um, I this this I'm gonna be real honest. This annoyed me. Um, cause okay, yeah, you're having a big spectacle event. I get that. That's great. 
but for crying out loud, do you know? Do some. We we got nine minutes into the match before the match really starts. There, we have nine minutes of a thirteen and a half minute match before things actually get going. So much of it's just gaga beforehand. I'm like, oh. So you're saying um, Thunderlips match with Rocky was a better special attraction? Uh, yeah, for me, definitely. But I, I was just so I was so frustrated with this because also I didn't realize that Mr. T was a cruiserweight and that kind of threw me. But um, uh, this doesn't uh, this doesn't dispute Brad's point that it's basically just the MSG show because that was so all those like. 1970s, 1980s WWF mm-hmm. killing time shows. Yeah, you would get you would get like a 20 minute match between uh, like Salvatore Belomo and Moondog Spot. Yeah. The, like, the only the it, only thing that separates this from like an MSG show from the 70s is this would have gone on at nine or at like 9:30 because then it would have all been this would have been the main, but then it would have all been like jobber stuff for curfew, which was 11, I think. Hmm. <clears throat> So it it kind of makes me think of Jerry Lawler matches I've seen when he didn't feel like doing anything. So you have you have this match where he spends most of his time standing around acting like he's got something in his hand or in his tights and telling people to be quiet about it. And and so you don't actually have anything going on for most of the most of the runtime. Oh, the hide the chain matches. Yeah. But the 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 most egregious thing I ever saw was oddly enough off of a Coliseum home video. Uh, someone gave me one at an Undertaker uh, video package, and that was very kind of them for me, very kind of them to do because they didn't know what else to do. And I think it was my birthday or something like that. So that's great. But that you know he spent he you know if the, if the whole match was ten minutes he spent eight of it. Acting like he had something in his hand, which he didn't, and then telling people to be quiet, which they weren't. And it's just like, well, I, I mean, that's the point, right? Like, you get them all fired, you can get them all fired up and upset without actually having to do anything. It's like, okay, that's nice, but this is, this is, you know, boring the crap out of me. The thing is, though, when Lawler or like Larry Zabisco would go into stall mode, though, they would do it in such a way, usually, that it was inciting the crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, like that can be hard to watch on home video, but like, um, it is effective. Yeah, but you know, I'm I'm not. So I put this. Um, this was 17th on my list out of 17. It is the bottom one. Wow. I don't think I don't actually think it's bad, but it's just kind of a nothing, and um, it's. It's not something I would ever personally care to revisit. It's probably my technically list, better than a couple of these, but like I just have no fondness for it. I um, on mine it is in slot number fourteen, and I don't. It, 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 I'm just. I'm like, uh, fine, you know, I guess. Because, uh, you know, like I said, they don't they don't do anything for so much of it. And 
I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm. A, I was not terrifically engaged. I know everything's got to start somewhere, but I don't know. This this seems like a. If you want to hook people into being excited about your event, then this is not what I would have done. I have it on as number fifteen on mine, so I do have it low. It's not. I don't think it was bad. It's just like. It's just kind of there. It's a it's a relic of a different era that doesn't fit even with like a '90s idea of what a pay per view main event should be. So let's move on to WrestleMania two. This is Hulk Hogan versus King Kong Bundy in a cage. Um, you know what's weird is I don't like this match, and I've seen Hogan and Bundy have matches I like before. On like their Saturday night's main event match was actually pretty good, better than this. The selling. Uh, go, oh, ahead, go ahead, Matt. No, you go ahead. Well, the selling was, it, at least to me, it just seemed so wildly inconsistent because you would have all this stuff going on. It like, you know, Hogan's doing stuff to doing stuff to Bundy, and then Bundy comes back and he's getting over on Hogan, and he's going at, you know, he's going at Hogan and going after the taped ribs and stuff. And Hogan's selling is like, oh, oh, and then Hogan, he doesn't even hulk up. He just pops up and goes at Bundy. And I'm and he hulks up later in the match, but I'm like, what? What? You know? And this kept happening. Also, you know what? I don't I don't have bad things to say about Elvira. She's had a great career doing stuff she enjoys, but she was not good on commentary here. It's like she wasn't paying attention. Um, Does she even know yeah, anything I, about wrestling? That's what I don't. Uh, Probably not. Like you, Bundy's pulling the 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 rib tape off of Hogan. And she goes, he's taking his pants off. And I'm like, did you, what, what are you watching? I mean, and that might have been all, wishful Hulk Hogan's not wearing part. pants, but, <laughs> but no, I, I didn't, you know what, of, of everything, this, this wasn't great in, in my estimation, but yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't as awful as some other stuff that's on the list. So yeah, I, I I don't care for it, but I don't hate on it too hard, I guess. You know, I don't think we ever got her show in Columbus. I don't have any recollection of it until I saw some of it on, like, um, streaming services. Matt, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Uh, I... Uh, no, I actually was just going to agree with Brad. I actually recall, like, their Saturday Night's main event match. And I do think that was better. Um, I think this was this was also kind of fine for me. Like I thought it was okay. Um, it was just kind of there too. This yeah. is I have I need to but, watch just this match at some point because WrestleMania two is just a terrible WrestleMania and it's really disjointed oh, yes. and like exhausting with like the three venue idea. And I, there's a reason they never repeated that. It's it's a terrible idea because at best you have even if everybody is you remember whenever they did whatever that raw anniversary show and half of it was at the Barclay Center and the other half is wherever they used to the Manhattan they did raw Center back the beginning yeah the crowd was not happy about that because they paid tickets to go to the Manhattan Center to watch a big screen and. So you've got that in the way where they're like, hey, you know, if we paid for these, you know, I could have just stayed home and watched it. So they're mad. 
even taking that out of the equation, you have to rebuild your heat in every location because the crowd is not hot. So you're having to reinvent the wheel over and over and over again just to get, you know, just just to get the crowd fired up. And they were not happy about it. And I, I, I can't really say as I blame them, but it's what's a terrible idea. Keep everything in one place, and that way everything everything builds, unless you just kill the card dead right in the middle or something. Two does have one of my favorites, though, which is the NFL um, versus WWE <clears throat> Battle Royal with the fridge. Yeah, that was, that's, like, oddly very fun. There was someone in that. Maybe it was, like, Bill Freilich. Uh, someone was in that where I was like, wow, this guy actually had some talent. Yeah, I mean, like I always mean to look up the list because I looked it up once and I was kind of surprised at some of the people in there. I feel like it was Bill Freilich, but let me let me actually see. It. Oh, he so Bill Freilich was in that. Okay. Then the fridge is in it. Who else is in that? Uh, let me pull it up. It's not the it's not the last time the NFL shows up at Mania. Jimbo Covert, uh, Harvey Martin, Ernie Holmes, Bill Freilich, as I mentioned, uh, Russ Francis, and of course the Fridge. It had to have been Bill Freilich. Yeah, and we we, wanna... we, we should have forgot um, Bill that that drunken degenerate Billy Martin was involved in the main event at WrestleMania <laughs> one. <laughs> Yeah. You take such great pleasure in mentioning it. What a, what a <laughs> just because everything degenerate he was. Anything like outside of like an actual game with him is um is either involves fighting or drinking, and he was he was instrumental in that ride in Cleveland in like the late sixties during like the um ten cent beer night or something. Gee, I wonder how a riot could have broken out on a ten cent beer night. And because there's this journalist, it's a fairly famous journalist. I think they quoted him on that night because he was there, and he's like, he's like, I went with two dollars in my pocket. You do the math. Ooh, that's uh, that's a lot of beer. Yeah. This Hold is on, the '60s, though. I think you weren't getting like that um, watered down like stuff you get now at stadiums. Okay. I'm looking this up. Bill Freilich was in that. He apparently did wrestling like in college. No, not college. In high school. Okay. Um, oh, my God. Like he had a 98 to 7 overall record. And I'm looking at him. He – did he do something? He did like an angle or something with – with Big John Stutter, or was it just like the promo for the actual I match? I don't know. I haven't seen the TV to lead up to two before. Oh, Jim Valley. I saw, I'm seeing an old tweet by Jim Valley saying, he, I always thought Bill Freilich would work in the WWE again. He showed by far the most aptitude of all the football players in WrestleMania 2, great charisma and talking. Yeah, like I remember watching that because I, I watched it a few years back. Um, I watched it like many years ago, but I watched it for some reason. I was like watching the the WrestleManias again, and I saw that, and I was like, "Who the who the hell is this Bill Freilich guy?" I mean, I know he's an old football player, but uh, I wasn't. I was like, "Wow, he 
he had like he seemed like he had some talent and charisma. I guess if this was like the modern day era, like Vince McMahon would probably be like, "Look, I got a boatload of cash. Just like when if your career's done, whenever your career's done, like come on over." I feel like if this he could have been something in wrestling, could have been like an early lad. So Matt, where would you where would you place this on your list? I I would put it slightly higher than the the Mania One event. I'd put this at number fourteen. I have it pretty low. Uh, where do you have it, Shad? I think Shad might have died. Shad. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Accidentally clicked the mute button. I have it at uh, thirteen, but I, have... I think that's because I have I have a match in what's basically a spoiler position that's gonna probably cause some friction, but we'll get there. I have it at sixteen. So we're gonna move on to WrestleMania three, which is I think the first time they actually kind of figured out what WrestleMania should be. Which this is the mm-hmm. first one that feels like a pay-per-view. They did like an appropriately big match, even though Hogan and Andre was a rerun from the earlier '80s. But we won't bring that up. Um, so this is <laughs> this is a match that Andre is like really in bad shape for, but it really does a yeah. lot with very little. If you ask me, I really like this one as an adult. Like there's a good narrative, pretty much of Andre like taking it to Hogan, but once like things. Um, once he hits like any adversity, he kind of just crumbles. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, like the the early the early pin that they that could have been a little more controversial, and then the big body slam. Yeah. Well, it was. There's so many pieces that go into this that uh, to that make this such an epic sight to behold like there's there is a lot of you know because the build hogan and andre had been friends before and andre was big likable you know people love andre the giant and that sort of stuff but then you have andre turn on him and you've got all this going and then in the course of the match the the big spots that that brad mentioned turns it into this like epic storytelling kind of thing where it's i mean you know if you look at even looking at the two of them with what we see today they still look epic and big and larger than life and that sort of stuff which is good i mean they should but the mystique like continues not even just this like oh you know hogan and andre you know the big thing in you know, uh, you know, at WrestleMania three, it's like you watch it. It's like the mystique is, is still there. It's still alive and it's, um, you know, it's engaging. And that's where like, I, I might, I might, I've got this ranked pretty high because of all of those pieces in it. I think, um, too, if you're ever, if you haven't seen this, uh, WrestleMania three is worth it for steamboat and savage, but you also need to look up the Piper's pit segments that set this match up because they're absolutely like brilliant over the course of like a month of these. Yeah, yes. they're really good. We've we've talked about this on the podcast before. It's they're very good. And I mentioned this before, but there's a really there's one part of those Piper's pits that I thought Piper did a really understated but like surprisingly effective thing. It's when 
remember when Andre like ripped Hogan's chain off mm-hmm. and he accidentally must have scratched him like with his fingernail or with the with the cross, the chain, something. Mm-hmm. And there's like a just a little bit of like a little trickle of blood like going down Hogan's chest. Yeah. From wherever he got scratched. And Pipe and Hogan's like, you know, he's cutting his promo. He's he's being he's like <laughs> kind of being he's exaggerating stuff as he always does. But yeah, like Piper just goes, you're bleeding, you're bleeding, man. And it's like yeah. it's this really like subtle thing. But he says it with such gravity that when you're actually watching it, it's like, whoa, this is this is actually like really serious. Like his best friend just called him out and challenged him, like basically yeah. betrayed him. And it actually makes it way more dramatic. And Piper being understated mm-hmm. makes it makes it so intense because Piper's not Looney Tunes bouncing off the walls. You know, he's he's like real focused in and and, and like soft spoken about it. Mm-hmm. It it, cha- it changes the whole feel. So Shad, I'm trying said, to agree with you. You said you went high on this one. So where did you where did you place it? I. Because of the spectacle of it, I actually have it at number four on my list. Wow, that's high. I yeah. went, I went lower. Um, some people might think this is high, but I put this at eleven on mine. Mm. And the bottom half. Bottom half, but uh, it's, I, it's like uh, the, it's in that, it's in, it's in the, it's in the field of what I would call like entertaining and okay matches, not bad matches. I uh, I'm more in uh, in line with Shad. I put it very high. It's not in my top five, but it it's just under it. I have it as number six, because um, I feel like the match is such a spectacle, and it's not a, it's both not a good match and an amazing match. Like because because of all the spectacle, because of everything, it's I still feel it's arguably even now. Like we're like what thirty seven. Mania's in. I I still feel it's arguably the most recognizable match. It, mm-hmm. It's got a lot of subtlety to it though, because it's a match that mm-hmm. you can watch multiple times, and you can like the fifth time you watch it, you can still pick out little things they did, like little bits and chunks <laughs> of narrative they like threw in there. Especially if you yeah. see mm-hmm. like the build up, like they even do things to like pay off things they said in promos and stuff. Like so, it's a very very well worked despite like Andre's limitations. I know Andre had his limitations in this, but there's just like, this is if, if you say WrestleMania main event to people, this is one of the first things that pops to mind. Like this is, this is is what, this um, is defining. If you talk to like normies that were pop culturally aware in the eighties and ask them about wrestling, this is the first thing they would probably say. Yeah. So yeah. on to WrestleMania four, which is one of the worst WrestleManias. Um, this is the final of the WWF um, tournament. I think we actually reviewed this when we did the Mega Powers Explode. I think we did. Maybe I'll pull that and put it on, put that up on YouTube for next week. Okay. Uh, you know what? I think our, we'll do that. Our Mega Power shows. Do the the Savage DiBiase thing to kind of keep oh, okay. with the theme. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe I'll do Hogan and Savage because we did that one too. But So this is um, this is okay. Um, obviously, they don't have 
they've both wrestled a couple times, so you, they're a little tired. It's I would say it's a technically competent match. I really liked this one. Um, yeah, it had been a while since I'd watched it, and I go back and watch it now. Like this match is only ten minutes long, but you know, like you said, it's the capper on a tournament, and really there's lots tournament. of stuff. Well, there's lots of stuff that's done right in this. So you have like Andre's, you know, Andre's at ringside just doing little interference stuff, but he's doing it really well. Cause it's just, you know, Andre knows, he knows how to work. He knows what he's doing. He picks his times. He picks his spots to interfere. Just, just perfect. When he's like an like, impending sense of doom. If Savage gets too close to that side. Yeah. Um, and then one thing that I love in this is that Hog- or, uh, Savage and Elizabeth as the faces look smart because they get to a certain point in the match and Savage, is, Savage tells her, he's like, go, go. And he has her go get Hogan to back him up. And it makes the, it, it, it makes the, the faces not look stupid. Like, it's like, no, no, this is, you know, he's got Andre out here. This is going to be, this is this is going to kill my chances. Let's do something smart. You know, and it, I love that. It's also um, the the other time they did that where he was getting beat up by the Heart Foundation Honky Tonk Man, and she's mm-hmm. like trying to drag Hogan out there, and he's like he's like, why are you bothering me? And he sees like what's going on in the ring, and then it's just like on, and he just like marches in and starts beating everyone up. Yeah. It, it it was that was yeah that was that was after this wasn't it no that was before it was before okay that would have been so like, that, means... that would have been uh, that would have been a Saturday night's main event probably in like the fall of eighty seven I think okay so they they knew the score they knew they could count on each other and so it it was it was just a smart move by the faces thank. God, sometimes the faces actually do something smart. And it, it drives me nuts because so many times the faces are just they don't do something smart. They just do they do dumb stuff. And it's like, look, you there are some people that complain about like AEW has they're like, oh, all these factions. It's like, yeah, they got friends and there are other factions running around. So they're going to hang with their friends and watch each other's backs because they're they behave in a way like they're com- they're competing and trying to work up the rankings like no this is this makes sense to me this is i, I like it it's good stuff What'd i'm sorry that's a lot one, of talk matt I... um this so i i thought this was a good match but i technically have it only at the midway point and that's not because it's, it's a bad match but uh it's at this point, it just was kind of getting into like personal preferences. There are other matches that I just like more, mm. so I had this at number nine. But that's again, it's not because it's a bad match. That's and I actually, actually like where I have it too. Mm-hmm. I have it. In nine I actually as like well. I like um, I like Savage and DiBiase a lot, um, but I have it as number nine just because there are uh, there's some matches that are like objectively just great. And that's my top five. Uh, but then I, between like five and sorry six and nine it's matches that are actually pretty good but 
I have them ranked kind of like personal preference. Like again, I have I have Hogan Andreas number six just outside of the top five because um, I just like that match a lot and such a spectacle. But this is this comes in as number nine because there's a few other matches I just appreciate more or just personal preference really. But sense. this that this this match is good. I mean, I, I agree that WrestleMania four is uh, <laughs> overall not that not that good of a pay per view. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have this one sitting for me at number six. Hmm. Um, I just, I, I, I like the storytelling. I like how the pieces come together. I like, you know, Savage and Liz being smart. I, I like all that. I like Andre's role out there. I just, I, I just really like this. So we're going to move on to um, WrestleMania five. We've also done this one on the podcast um, because I just watched this one for that. So this is Hogan and Savage at WrestleMania five. Now, the one thing that annoys me about this match is Jesse Ventura really kind of ruins it by just being obnoxious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He's really obnoxious yeah. in this match. <laughs> yeah. He, he never takes his foot off the gas. No. And this is, but this is like good Hogan showing up. Like he breaks out like the drop toe hold he he brings out some stuff you don't see Hogan do unless he's in like the like a bigger match like stuff you'd see him do against Muda a couple years later and stuff like that's what you get from yeah. Hogan in this match. Uh, in watching this, um, or in in us going over this before, uh, I, you know, there's j- the build. The build is so good. The jealous eyes, yeah. You know, it, it, it's the build on it is so good. And Savage playing the, the, I mean, just paranoid off his rocker role. It's, it, it's just, I, all these pieces work so well for me. I've got now, this now, one ranked pretty high. Savage did have a PowerPoint presentation before this. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I just, I like this one a lot. It, it, you know, it just, it just, it hits on all kinds of, of pressure points for me. Where do you have it? I have Hogan Savage at number three. Mm. Uh, we, uh, we are also on the same wavelength. I don't have it as number three. I actually have it even higher. I have this number two. Ooh, number two. Because I actually, maybe this is because. Once we, uh, when we were when we were doing our Mega Powers episodes, um, I really got into like watching through this period and just that that Hogan Savage storyline. I still feel is it's arguably the best the best storyline they did. If you actually look at the whole thing, like we did, mm-hmm. it's arguably the best storyline that the that they did in the eighties. It was so good. Yeah, um, and I just really like probably because I, I do have that appreciation for everything they did. Um, I just love this match. So I, I think it's a good match. I think it de- deserves to be in the top five. but Or at least like high, ranked high up there. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I think my personal preferences might cause me to rank it, you know, number two. But it's it's just a – I really enjoy this match. Well, what about I, you, Brad? Um, I also had it number three. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a pretty knowledge. consensus. It's yeah. one of the best. <laughs> yeah. It, well, I mean, if you go and listen to us talk about this on that on the the episode we had devoted to it, I mean, we're pretty glowing about it because it's yeah. it's good stuff. 
So then up next is what I would call a miracle performance. Um, and Hogan deserves a lot of credit for it, but this is WrestleMania six. Um, icy title versus world title Hulk Hogan versus ultimate warrior Hulkamaniacs versus the little warriors. It's hard for me to, um, what am I looking for here? It, it, this is one of those where, like, if you get into all of the trappings that go around this story, you can get bogged down pretty quick um, with, you know, the was was it the right time? Was Warrior, you know, they had built Warrior up to be the guy, but, but should they have, you know, um, all of that stuff and and every all the baggage around Warrior and that sort of thing. But on the other end, and the fact that they apparently practiced this match for weeks. Well, they smartly, it shows when you have a plan and when you, um, when you competently book from week to week. So how this all started is they teased this in the Royal, the Royal Rumble in 90, where they eliminated everyone and it was Hogan and Warrior and they ran the ropes and then clotheslined each other down like after like a face off. And they gave mm-hmm. people that little nugget of them versus each other, and then it grew out from there. Okay. Um, for me, though, this this is another historic thing that kind of falls into the big spectacle category. Like, just the amount of what uh, goes into this, you know, that, that brings it up, because I'm, I'm mixing... Cause, yeah, they practiced it a lot, but they did a good job with it. Like, I can't take that away. I, I, I was always a call it in the ring guy, so I never did like calling everything beforehand. But on, on the other side of it, you know, that's where that's where Warrior thrived, and so you have a, uh, you know, you you have him kind of in his wheelhouse here to succeed, and. You know, I, I've I've got this not super high, but decently high on my list. I've actually got this quite high on my list. Same. I was not overall a Warrior fan, um, and it's weird because like I I say I almost feel like I watched this stuff when it was happening, but I didn't because I was I became a fan in the early '90s. So by the time I actually watched this, it, this this had already occurred like years ago, mm-hmm. but. I tried to watch, I tried to watch like the WrestleMania as like as as much everything as much as possible in sequential order, mm-hmm. just renting stuff from like the video store. Uh, but I just wasn't. I was more like a Hulk guy. I just was not into Warrior. But I've seen Warrior have good matches with, I would say, three people in the WWE. Well, maybe really in his entire career, but definitely in the old school. <laughs> I'd say his match with Slaughter at the Royal Rumble in 91 is not bad. Oh, I'd have to watch that again to see. It's not like amazing, but it's not bad. I would say I'd have to watch that. So I I can't I can't speak to that. But Rude um, and we we actually talked about that one match. I think it was the SummerSlam when we reviewed like that. That matches like Rude got some stuff out of him. Uh, obviously, WrestleMania Seven, the match was Savage is phenomenal. Yeah, and then SummerSlam '90 uh, with the the rude match in the cage. Yeah, um, 
And then the la- the other one is Hogan. Like Hogan, this match, it was is. I feel like when I watched it as a kid, um, all I really took away was Warrior One, and I didn't like that because I didn't want him to win. I wanted Hogan to be the guy still. Mm-hmm. But looking back at it as like an adult fan, it's a really really good match, and they I mean they tried to make a new star. I mean I don't. We can kind of debate, like, was that the right idea? I think... I think I the think fact it, that I, they they didn't have challengers and they immediately re-ran Rude, like, really... It's hard to tell because that really kneecapped him because they, they literally re-ran a program from the year before. So that really mm-hmm. set him up for failure. It did. Um, and, I mean, he wasn't... He wasn't the best worker, so he needed... He needed. I, I would almost say like he needed a particular type of opponent. Yeah. Um. But I, they could. They could have. Like they could have. They tried to make it work. So I. I don't begrudge them trying to put him over. Um. I had this one ranked really high. This is actually number four on my list. Because I actually. I really just adore this match. I think it's like. A really fun, really uh, impressive match. If you actually think, if you actually look at the mechanics of it. Mm-hmm. And the emotion, what they're trying to do. It's number five for me. Same hmm. reason as you. It It is number seven on mine. So I'm not okay. too far off from Brad, but there's some stuff that I just I honestly think is just as, as big and historical as this is. I think there's some other stuff that I just think is better. So. That's fair. Yeah, I think it's fair. So we're going to head to WrestleMania... Um, seven next. This is Hulk Hogan or Sergeant Slaughter for the for, for the WWF title. This is in the middle of probably one of the more tasteless angles WWE has done. That is exactly what I had in my notes. Is uh, is seriously, comma distasteful angle. Yeah. Um. I think this for considering Slaughter's age. I think this is actually a pretty solid match. Uh, it's not as good as the Desert Storm match, which which comes a couple months later. That's the one. The Desert Storm match is pretty much where Hogan like cheats and like throws fireballs at Slaughter, and pretty <laughs> much like get like does a receipt for everything like Slaughter's done during his heel run. Okay. This one is not. This one actually, for me, dips into the I could do without seeing this again territory because um, I don't know it, it, if, let me let me look at my notes really it like it's got a frustratingly s- slow start it feels at least for me this I look at that and I'm like this is this just seems unremarkable this is your mania main event and they what they start with like working three minutes on a collar and elbow tie up uh, with with the build that goes with it, and it's supposed to be like Hogan's the the stand-in for everybody defending you know the country's honor against the sympathizer and slaughter, and it, but it's like oh no, we're gonna we're gonna hook that collar and elbow for a good three minutes. It's like ah, come on, like that it it just it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. 
it, it's it's an awful like angle, but I agree with Brad that the match um, is not as bad as you would think it is. And I I have a soft spot for Slaughter. I feel like we through this through this podcast have actually seen probably more Slaughter matches than I had thought, but we've covered like, yeah. a few. Um, and I actually like really appreciate him as a worker. I actually think he was he doesn't get as much credit. Um, I, people I think, saw him when he was older and didn't care, and he had that GI Joe money. Yeah, but like Slaughter was actually a really good worker. Yeah, I mean we've we've mentioned before in the podcast that there was a period in like the eighties, like the early eighties, like right before Hulkamania got really big, where where Slaughter was like what one the number two, number three babyface in the promotion, and was was over like and drawing money like they could i mean if if wrestling would not have been as big as it got but if if in a different world hogan had just not been a thing like they could have actually pushed slaughter as like a main guy and they would have drawn some money at least like sarge has i think one of the best ring names you know because it just just his gimmick name Mm-hmm. Sergeant Slaughter, like it mm-hmm. tells you everything about him. And one, the sergeant is like, okay, military gimmick, and then Slaughter. He's a blood and guts, take no prisoner kind of guy. And I know that we we hit on it a few times, but I'll, I'll reiterate my favorite thing about Slaughter is he walks the line between being. He can both be a a you know a nasty bully heel, but then pinball bump for the faces when they come up, and that's you know that's hard to do, and he does such a good job with it. And as he got older, he couldn't keep doing it. And I think this, um, I think he doesn't really get enough credit for like some of the things that he did in the eighties that people just don't remember, like how. Um, when we had to defeat Galobulus and he took out the Nemesis Enforcer for everyone. <laughs> yes. That's, That's another badass. great name. That's a badass scene. From that the movie. Nemesis Enforcer. Yeah. Sorry, I just but had to it, throw that in there. No, it's all good. But yeah, this match just doesn't do it for me. Um, I ranked this uh, sixth because... Really? Um... Because I enjoy it a lot. Um, it has it, there's, but it's 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 kind of like where um, six to ten is kind of like very minute differences, and it turns into preference. Yeah, I can follow you on that. And it doesn't have um, it doesn't have like um, it's a couple manias ahead, but like I kind of like heart. And Yokozuna 2 from Mania 10, but I really fucking hate the Yokozuna banana peel ending. Yeah, yeah, that's I have that in my notes. That I it really, really destroys that match for me, and um, which is otherwise I think an, that one's actually a decently good match. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And um, and um, we'll get to that because. Um, well, we can talk about those two in tandem because it's nine and ten. But yeah, um, for I me, have, okay. go ahead, Matt. Go, go, go. No, no I was go. just gonna say, like, I have, I had this ranked as number um, ten. Okay, I have it on number eleven. Mm. So, 
it's 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 dropping into that category where I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm it's like, hey, we're gonna watch this. No, nah, I'm I'm good. So it's a middle it's a middle third match for all three of us essentially. Yeah. Just it's higher for me. Yeah, that's that's fair. Okay, um, so let's go to eight. Now eight was a tough call. Um, nine was also a tough call. Because I kind of wanted to put both on here, and I kind of think Savage and Flair should have mained, but we got um, Hogan and Sid instead, which this is not a very good match. Um, oh, I actually no. like the angle oh. at the end, though, with the Warrior coming back. I thought that was really cool, but this match is kind of eh. I, the angle is cool, but I really hate this match. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. It's actually both Sid matches are, <laughs> are so yeah. low. My, well, and yeah. I, I have problems with this match from a booking perspective. Um, I tend to agree with people that Sid should have been the face after the Royal Rumble. And I kind of think Sid should have gone over here regardless of if he was a face or a heel. Because yes. even here, like the match is bad, but like Hogan really just feels kind of tired. And like Sid really just has like a certain like juice to him here that they were really mm-hmm. squandering. Sid, okay, uh, up to this point, we've been looking at, you know, people Hogan has been involved with because it's been, Hogan has been in, uh, let me see, what are we on? We're on eight. He's been in the main event for seven out of eight manias. Sid is the first guy since Andre. So that's, what like five years or so that looks like a like scary is gonna hurt hogan threat which okay cool but it's they don't they don't do much with it i did like um there's one thing i really like in this match um and it's one thing that's always stuck with me and i'm gonna give sid some credit but when Sid did like the last rites on Hogan, I thought that was great. Oh, he did do that. Because he did the last rites right before the powerbomb. I thought that was like a really dick move, but I thought that was really like good. <laughs> well, in in setting a pattern for the future, Sid powerbombs Hogan, and Hogan just gets up. Uh. Now, um, in fairness, there were some botched things in here, weren't there? Yeah. Like, Shango was supposed to show up. The story that I understand is Shango was supposed to show up and break up the pin after Hogan's leg drop. And no, he's standing there at gorilla position waiting to go, and nobody cued him. So, you know, he shows up way late. Like, matches over late. And it's a long walkway, too. So, like, even if he would have gone on his own, he still would have been way late. Because yeah. you it was a good... It was almost like a football field walk, wasn't it? It was a long walkway. And it I, I think it was one of those where it wasn't a straight line. Yeah, because it, it had Warrior, dog it felt, leg in it. Yeah, because it felt like Warrior was running forever. Yeah. yeah. So... You know, that means that Shango couldn't have seen it himself. That's why he had to wait for the cue. It's like he 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 didn't have visual 
to make the call and say, screw it, I'm going now. And and then since he didn't get he didn't nobody cued him as like, all right, or they they cued him way, way too late. Then he didn't have, um, you know, it just it ruins part of the story right there. Uh, so, you know, that sucks. Um, like, I know Sid sucks, but like it felt like they really had something here with Sid and they really just refused to go with it. He could have. I, I mean, I am not very high on Sid's actual like ring work. Like I, I think he as a character is fantastic. I feel and like he's got. There's. There's. He has something. I don't know yes, what it is, but he has something. At, there. There are people like Hogan who have just unreal. And Rock. Like there are a few people you can name. Like who just have unreal charisma. Um, but then there are also people who just have like some sort of like it factor. And Sid did have that. Like in Spades. Uh, I actually feel like Warrior kind of had that too. Cause yeah, I don't think Warrior had it as much as Sid did, though. No, I agree. But they they if they, if they wanted to, like he he wasn't a good worker. But they they could have actually tried to make Sid into the sort of like main event worker guy that they wanted Warrior to be. Yeah, and like, t- it, go ahead. I want to tell you my favorite Sid moment is when he was in ECW <laughs> and um, Bubba Ray's just talking mad shit to him and he pauses and Sid's chewing gum the whole time and he just blows this big bubble of gum and pops it and keeps chewing it right in his face because that's what he <laughs> thinks of him. And then Devon, Devon like pushes him aside because he wants to fight and he like just pretty much feels his chest up. He's like, oh fuck, this guy's huge. <laughs> and then they just start like fighting and then spike like helps him out and then he just murders spike because sid i i have to give it to Heyman. sid and ecw is insanely entertaining the, it goes back to Heyman's ability his his much um ballyhooed ability to play to people's strengths and minimize their weaknesses like he did that Sid in um, when he showed up at Guilty as Charged and just murdered John Cronus. He looks like a mad person. He does. Sid is, I think the there's psychology and there's charisma and then there's the physical version of it. So like you see Sid walking down the street and you you would immediately keep your eye on him because not only is there the physical charisma but he just he looks threatening. You look at him and you're just like, that's let's cross the street over here. You know, Warrior was, you know, his gimmick was set up. They was so frenetic and fast paced that you got something like that. You know, Sid, you know, not moving fast, but he didn't need to. And like you said, in that ECW moment, what's he doing is he's, he's so big. He's just playing the I don't care what you think. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill your friends. I'm going to kill everybody. And like that, that works, except when Sid is unmotivated, he just drags ass. Yeah. And unfortunately, he got unmotivated a lot. Sure. Well, I mean, it depended on if you just had to promise him softball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's the unfortunate part is that he. He, he just wasn't reliable. Even when he showed up in WCW and was cutting the weird-ass promos about, you know, matching Goldberg's streak and stuff, it's like he still had that, like, 
he'd show up and you'd be like, oh, hell, what's going to happen? Oh, that's my other favorite Sid one is when Goldberg had his car crushed and he comes out and he's like, oh, bogus, like when his car is like just there in a queue. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, it's, saw... it, it, Sid's just this weird mix of, of high and low. Like, I don't care for his work, yeah. but he's got some moments I really enjoy. Well, even it's... Even when he first showed up in the NWA, like when they used to have the skyscrapers, they would boo him if he tagged out to Dan Spivey, and then when Spivey was in there, the crowds would just chant, "We want Sid." The entire oh, wow. time he was on the apron. yeah, he had something. I, I don't, I can't quite put my finger on exactly how to define what it was, but he had something. I saw, I actually saw Sid probably, uh, God, at this point, like three years ago when it was, uh, it was WrestleMania and. Um, in New Orleans, mm-hmm. he I believe was at that. I think he was at that um, at the WrestleCon that they always have, like the wrestling convention, where a bunch of older workers will go and you know you, you can get autographs, you can get merch, stuff like that. Um, I'm pretty sure he was there at that one, and he unfortunately like he's older now and he's he's reached that level where he's kind of just let himself go. Mm-hmm. Um, and he looks older in the face, so he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't quite have that Sid look. But there was a period I want to say even probably like ten years ago, which I mean it's quite it's that's quite some time ago at this point. But he would have been how old is he now? He would have been at least like he'd been pushing fifty about then. I think he would have been pushing fifty, so he would have been long past like his prime. And I mean, he got I, a I pop even, when he showed up and beat up Heath Slater on Raw. Uh, oh, yeah. He is now, he just turned 60, so uh, 10 years ago he would have been like 50. Maybe it was that, that period where he, in like in early to the early aughts, not early aughts, like the early teens. So, like 20, I'm showing that he was on Raw 1000 in 2012. Maybe that's what you're talking about. Where, nah, I think that um, was before then, because remember, like he showed up one week and then um, Vader showed up because he was like, it's Slater time. And then. DDP showed uh, yeah. up, and then my favorite of those was um, Lita came out to wrestle him, mm. and Lita's like, "I'm not wrestling you. Like I hired some protection." And then like the APA music hit, <laughs> and Booker T starts laughing because it's Ron Simmons. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, even just as like ten years ago, which again was quite some time, but when he was like pushing fifty, I still feel like he could have actually had like a run in a company not necessarily it's like a he did some you're... stuff in like that Corey macklin like discount yeah. basement memphis in like t- 2006 or something i think i still feel you could have actually if you were a promotion you could have booked him to just be like somebody's like bodyguard or enforcer and it would have actually gotten over because he still looked really did impressive. he ever do anything in tna i don't think so I think his leg was still fucked up. I feel like he should have, but I don't think he did. Which, um, I was just thinking about it because I watched that Brawl for All documentary, but I was thinking about, remember that random Mike Barton, a.k.a. Bart Gunn versus, like, mm-hmm. Perry Saturn match that was on one of those pay-per-views that was just, like, awesome? Out of, like, nowhere, but... Anyway, um, I put this at 13, I like oh, this slightly. I like this. There, you, there's two under this, and I'll explain both. But 
The other Sid matches under this, I like this a little better than Sid and Taker. I had, uh, go Hogan ahead was a little more game than Taker was for their match. I had I had this as number 16. I just did not like this match at all. Yeah, that's where I am. The, the Hogan, this just, it just did not work at all for me. And you've got, um, you know, Taker Sid wasn't great either, but Taker was holding up his end and seemed to be working a bit more than Hogan. But it, it's still not, you know, it's it's not great. But it's it's I was just like God. There's so much. The post match angle uh, does not save it for me because I don't count that as that's a band aid on a problem. So you know, and um, the angle's cool, but. I'm not. I'm gonna bundle nine and ten together since they are essentially the same match. I am not. We're not doing Hogan versus Yoko as the main event because that's not a real match. Hey, but I'm, before we, before we get to that, can I do one last thing on Hogan Sid? Yeah. Uh, the best thing, <laughs> actually, from that was in in the promos before the match. Hogan was. They were doing this whole thing where Hogan wasn't sure if it would be his last match. And he's doing an interview, a sit-down interview with with Vince McMahon, and they get they get real serious. Hogan goes, "Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's going to be my last match." And Vince utters one of the most ridiculous lines I've ever heard, and they've parodied this on like The Last Fan. Are you ready for it? I'm listening. <laughs> I'd like to say that on behalf of all of us, your Hulkamaniacs, thank you for the memories. Thank you for the inspiration, and thank you for Hulkamania. <laughs> Jeez. I, mean, the best, the... I laugh about this. This is an inside joke between me and, and Damien Gonzalez. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for Hulkamania. Well, I like how they're like serious and somber, and then it flips over to Sid, and he's like, I'm Dr. Roxo. I do cocaine. <laughs> I do cocaine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm that that ruler of the world. <laughs> and and you're like, Sid, dude, buddy, how's about um how about how's about some allergy meds there, bud? How's it would that help? But okay, and this is calling back to another running gag that we've had. You say that, man, thank you for Hulkamania. Patterson, get in here and thank him for Hulkamania. I also there's also in the build up to this they show like Sid murdering jobbers and one of my favorite is they brought a stretcher out for the guy and like Sid just like rolls him off of the the set afterwards which is hilarious and poor Virgil got murdered in that vignette too oh did he yeah poor Virgil um so I'm gonna I'm gonna bundle the two Hart and Yokozuna matches together just because I feel like um. They kind of should be talked about together because I don't like the the nine match very much, but I feel like ten kind of learned some lessons from the first match. Okay. The um, I, I'm gonna get my notes here for the nine match. Is the just a few things to to throw in there is I like the open Brett Brett's throwing himself at a brick wall and it it works sometimes. Like I kind of like that. Yeah, you, know, you know we're playing into the. The motif, but they they we get USA chance in the middle of this, 
And it's funny because it's it's I don't. Brett is Canadian, and Yoko was born in in Sacramento, so the USA chance would really be for Yoko, but that's not what the crowd is intending. Uh, but the I went back and rewatched all these before we did this, and I, the thing that that jumped out at me is I know Yoko was successful and good in his role, but I I, I don't care for him very much. He, yeah, he was about he is about eighty pounds too heavy at this point. I think for his work to not suffer. Yeah. Um, it's also funny when they were doing this big build in 93, they did a, a sumo wrestling match between him and John Tenta that he won. And I'm like, which is hilarious to me because if it was like a shoot sumo match, Tenta would probably like absolutely just murder him. Just wipe the floor with him. Because, because we, and we talked about, um, John Tenna, like the all purpose sportsman, like on this, that he was like into sumo, like football and rugby. And like, he was an amateur wrestler and like, just this like super understated, um, sportsman. And also one of yeah. my favorite, like work, like, um, worked matches that turns into the shoots is him and Katawe, um, mess like where Katawe is just being like a little bitch. Antenna finally just has enough and he wants to get nuts, but like Katawe won't commit and then leaves and then acts like Tenna couldn't have beaten him. And it's like, yeah, but dude, you wouldn't even. You, you're the one that jumped out, dude. Because like, what I love about that is Tenna keeps trying to work with him and he works with him and he finally just hits the point. He's like, fine. Like if we're going to do this, like fine, like, like, let's go. Like I'm ready. Oh yeah. There was no backing down. We should do that on the show at some point. We should do that one with that guy that wouldn't cooperate with Anoki, so Anoki just starts like kicking him. I think Bill oh, Burr Antonio. Did a, yeah. Yeah. Because Bill Burr did a did a bit on that on his podcast. Oh, yeah. He did. He did. Um, he's, Bill Burr just starts cackling from the fact that Anoki is beating the living hell out of him. I also love the one because I just watched it and I still laugh. Is um when they were doing that tough enough thing and. Daniel Pooter gets um gets Kurt Angle in the key lock and Angle is just like fucked until the ref saves him. Yeah. Yeah, if if you knew what you were looking for, everyone you're like, Ooh, Kurt, and then they 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 count him even though his shoulders aren't down to get him out of it. It's like, well, Hey, the, the Al Snow shoot on that's interesting because he says that's why we don't do stuff like that. But he was like, they wanted angle to wrestle all of them and he was like you can't do that like these are big strong healthy guys like you don't know what one of them is gonna do yeah uh, yeah so um he got it pretty angle really it shows the difference in training though because angle like really was like just like let didn't even i don't even think he knew what was going on until he had that like until it was locked him. yeah yeah because the uh, ref talked about that. He said he didn't even know what to do, so he just counted. Yeah. I thought someone was in his ear telling him to. Using one of the earpieces. Maybe. I, I just but, saw some... I just watched it a couple weeks ago, and I, I laughed just because it's hilarious that... Yeah. Yeah. Well, it it, it reminds me of, of a reference you made earlier, Brad, of being in Ohio Valley with Mark Henry, it's like, we got these feats of strength going on, and we get this big old country boy out there to bend this thing that Mark Henry just bent, and the big rock bone son of a bitch did it. 
They said they had fun with that, but they said when um when Andy Kaufman was working Memphis, he wanted to do all the matches with women to be shoots. And they said Jerry Jarrett was like, Are you sure you want to do that? Have you seen some of the women in this crowd? Because yeah. there was there was one that gave him a lot of trouble and they did a rematch. I think her name was Foxy. Something like that. I know I know exactly which one you're talking about, but I can't remember her name. Yeah. She gave him uh, some sh- she gave him some issues. She well, and then I I, I kind of suspect that when they did the rematch, they were working it, but they worked it really well because it looked like she just just going to town on him. Yeah, but that's that's the first thing Jerry Jarrett says. Like, are you sure? Like, have you seen some of the women in in the crowd here? Yeah. Which we should do. I I've always wanted to do that because like some of the like. I think I showed you some of the promos, the one where he, like, beats that woman up in an estate, and he's like, she's poor, no one cares about her. Oh, <laughs> he's just such a dick. And I love, like, is. when Lawler just, like, smacks the shit out of him on Letterman, and Letterman's like, like, Letterman's like, ooh, like, what the he's fuck? He's Polax. Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't know what to do. Um, but we the, were on... The story Lawler tells, like... Cough, he pile drive coffin coffins like get in the ambulance and, like he's like we're not getting an ambulance that's expensive and the ref comes back he's like he'll pay for it and like well get the ambulance yeah that i love that i i just love the fact that andy kaufman loved doing it so much and he never cashed a check for it he loved doing it so much that he did that sort of thing to to sell it and get it over and i just you know that there's there's a certain kind of purity to that that i just really enjoy i mean hell look what happened um this current events thing but if i reach back and go you know hey one of the good things that came out of mania this year is bad bunny worked his ass off and apparently did a pretty good job so you know that's pretty cool you you've got someone who's hyped to be there and works really hard to do a good job it's like wow that's that's some good stuff. It's, yeah. it's good shit. So anyway, for some reason, Mania 9 feels like they don't mesh. And it feels like when you get around to 10 that mm-hmm. that um, they kind of figured some things out. And like they kind of worked out together what didn't work in the first match. And it's still not a great match, but it's a better match. And Hart, yeah. um, they work the underdog stuff smarter. The one thing I despise about 10, though is and i said it earlier is the banana peel ending yeah that finish is just god awful yeah i hate that because yoko is going up for he kind of did that butt drop off the middle rope and he kind of does that exaggerated like three stooges fall off the middle rope and then hart gets him hart didn't beat him no that that match is yoko was winning and then yoko lost there is no Hart didn't win. And that just... That annoys me so much because you are doing nothing to help your champion there. He He's champion... He is champion almost by accident. Well, especially... I guess, I guess maybe it was to make Yoko look better because essentially Luger had him beat, but Kurt Henning screwed him over in the first match of the night. Mm-hmm. That's I'm also because Matt hasn't gotten to chip in yet. I was gonna say no. that's also um, a massive blunder is when they did the Lex Luger like 
on the when like they did the SummerSlam one with Lex Luger and he won by count out or something and he he celebrates like a dunce and they killed his heat. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, it's terrible. They they I mean, I, I'm not the biggest Luger fan in the world either, but they really they, they could have actually made him a big deal. They were it seemed like they were trying to, but then they just killed they just killed him. They killed him dead. Yeah. yeah it, that dead. that was so dumb. It was so dumb. Now, where do you guys put this on your list? <clears throat> I, have... I actually have. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I I mean I actually have both of these actually pretty high, but again that's that's like personal preference because I actually felt uh, and looking at his stuff after the fact, like Yoko was probably a a little bit better worker than I thought he was. Um. He's least, better as Kakina Maximus, I think. I well, yeah, before he got, before he really started putting on the weight, he he was much better. Um, and I thought I just I thought Brett really pulled the best out of him. So I actually have both of these ranked high. Like I have the first Brett Yoko is number eight, and I have the second one as number seven. I have them in my top ten. I have I have of Russell... number of one through seventeen. Oh. I have um I have nine as ten and then I have ten as eight. Mm. So the first match is ten, the second match is eight. So I have them fairly highish too. Mine are sitting. The second match is nine and the first match is ten on my list. So we're about in so, sync with that. Yeah, we're not far off from each other, but God, I hate that finish. Like, no, that finish that finish is really stupid. Because I think even if I think even if like Hart had been able to like kick the rope out from under him like even if Hart had just got his foot up and like just given it a little kick and he fell like that, I think it would have been totally fine. Yeah. If Hart had done anything to contribute to it. Yeah. But we didn't get that. Yeah, it's really ugh. Okay, so uh we are gonna hit WrestleMania 11, um, this is Lawrence Taylor versus Bam Bam Bigelow, which, a funny little side note of this, and I know you saw it, Shad, but Steve Mongo McMichael is there in Green Bay Packer regalia. As, when that happened, I immediately had a Blazing Saddles moment. Forget about that! There's Mongo! I think he won a Super Bowl this year, the next... No, he won a Super Bowl... This year. With the Packers. Because he has two rings, I believe. Okay. I could be well, wrong, though. I'm pretty sure he has two rings, though. I'm not, I'm not sure, but... You know, it's... I'm, they, it, it, it definitely pulled my attention. So this is... um, This isn't as bad as you would think it is. Um, Bam Bam sold really well. Um, LT was pretty game. His stuff looked mm -hmm. decent, mm -hmm. I thought. Um, and I thought the ending where he he wins off a of bulldog, right? Uh, I think so. I thought the ending was plausible, and I thought like his spots looked pretty good um, throughout, mm -hmm. and like they they worked a pretty smart match. Um, it's not amazing, but considering like it, Taylor, it was Taylor's first match. I thought 
it was serviceable. Yeah. And it was better than like T's contributions. Yeah, yeah, it really was. LT looked Taylor looked like he was he was really working hard and really trying. I don't I don't know why he was so dialed in on the all of his his clotheslines coming up from like a tackle position. Maybe it's just muscle memory. But he did lay those in. So. They probably taught him to do that because you're a football player. You're supposed to three-point stance at all. But, he, you know, he laid him in. You know, he didn't, he didn't, um, you know, he didn't hold back on oh. those. And then, you know, Bam Bam just worked really hard and bumped really big. What do you think about this one, Matt? I remember when I was so I had started watching wrestling at this point, um, so this this I saw like contemporaneously, and I remember my friends and I were like really excited about this match because it was like LT, uh, but it, uh, in hindsight looking back at it, like I think it's I I agree with you guys that it's it's good for the limitations that LT had. Uh, and I do think Bam Bam tried his best. Like he was, he was selling his ass off. So it's, it's not a bad match. It's kind of entertaining, but it's also to me kind of like forgettable. Is, like it, it was a big thing at the time, but it's in retrospect. I mean, people will probably remember the Bad Bunny match more than they will remember this. So is, I don't, I don't have it as high. I have it only as number, um, number eleven. Is this the, um, is this the WrestleMania where one of, um. Those home improvement kids beats Bob Backlund as um, at chess, and he goes on this like crazy old man promo, like about kids not respecting their elders these days. I don't know. I'm not sure I was Jonathan, ever aware that happened. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah, that was the one. Uh, I think this was that one. Okay, because that's that's hilarious and it's like stupidity. But um, so I put this at twelve. I think it's not a bad match, and it deserves to sit above what I would consider to be the bad matches. I wouldn't want to watch it again, but I don't consider it to be bad. It's interesting. I have this one sitting at eight because I got more more of a charge. I thought it was hard hitting. I thought it was good work. And if you're gonna have a celebrity in a match, I feel like this sets the standard for it. So, uh, you know, that's I, I've got it sitting at eight because I, I thought it was a pretty good job. What do you have this at, Matt? What is uh, the Taylor L. Bigelow match? Yeah. Oh, I, I said I had it at number 11. Oh, sorry, yeah. I missed it. OK, yeah, yeah. so yeah, no about problem. the same about the same spot. Um, OK, so what we have next? OK, so 12. I really hate 12. Um, I, I hate 12 as an event entirely, but so this is Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels in an Iron Man match. Um, so there's a lot to hate about this match. Um, it really set them down that path of always having overtimes because they always end in a draw. And, um, where I think this match really falls apart for me and I, I, I'm I'm going to say all this stuff and I have it kind of high just because I think the work in it's actually decent. But where I think this match really falls apart is their unwillingness to take a fall to each other during the match. It really 
it really hurts it. Matt, go ahead and give your thoughts, and I'll go last. I remember, again, because at this point I was watching stuff contemporaneously. I remember watching this. Uh, I, this was this was kind of before my parents wouldn't really like order pay per views. They I, it was like rare I would get a pay per view. Uh, so I I would always watch this stuff like whatever like the three or four month delay between like the actual show and when it would come out on video at like Blockbuster. Um, I remember being excited for this because I was into both Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels at the time. Uh, but I I remember watching this and I'm older now so I can appreciate uh, Iron Man matches. But even then, I thought I just felt this match was like boring. They were clearly they were trying to go broad. Obviously, the plan was to go Broadway. Um, but I just felt it was it was just too much like too much like plotting. It, it just wasn't to me. It was not an exciting match. I have it ranked very low. Well, relatively low. I have it. I have it as number thirteen. To I me, didn't... it was. It's technically it's 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 not. It's technically a fine match, but it just does nothing for me. I, I have it at seven, and I kind of regret that. I think if I had this to do over again, I might actually bump it down to nine and push everything up. Um, push everything up a spot in its place. For it me... It just... Um, I, I think... I think... I think um, Shad's going to go on a rant here, so I'll get this in real quick before. <laughs> what I would have done, and I think would have made this match much better, is you should have done something where, like, Michaels goes for the super kick early and Hart, like, rolls him up and gets a pin on him in, like, the first 15 or 20 minutes. And then you have Sean trying to get that pinfall for the rest of the match and then getting the flash pin in, like, the last three minutes. And then going to overtime, which I think would have made the match much better structurally because it would have given it a narrative of then the, the, you know, you could have kind of done like the Rocky two thing where Bret Hart just needs to stay away from him and he doesn't and he pays for it. Yeah, that would have been a better story. So Shad, I now cede the floor to you and two hell with this match it goes number 17 <laughs> on my list this 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 match can kiss my pucker god almighty you're gonna have a 60 minute iron man match wherein nothing happens and then so you go to overtime to get the only pinfall in the whole thing which means that we had an hour and i don't care how good the work is we had an hour that didn't matter we had an hour that wasted your time to get to the part where it's actually important, when it turns out that the actual match, the actual match for the heavyweight title was what ten minutes? I don't know how. I, I'm not sure how long, how long it went in the sudden death, but that's all it was. So the actual match is only the overtime, an hour, a godforsaken hour, of you two guys just rolling around, not wanting to give an inch to each other, and 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 nothing happens. Screw you. You're going to claim to be great wrestlers, then for God's sakes, put on a good st- – I don't care how much you hate each other. Put on some kind of story. Have something happen as opposed to wasting my damn time for an entire hour and just just being absolutely worthless. Nothing, nothing about this for me is going to be redeeming 
because you – I'm not – God, if I had been there live and it's like, oh, we're going to have to go into sudden death, I would have started throwing trash in the ring. Screw this. Do you think, I'm going um, to kick me out. I don't want to be here for it. Do you think Brett gets um, kind of a pass for some, I think, some issues we've seen of bad behavior on his part, especially like backstage or the the mid-90s, think... just because Sean was so egregious that like people kind of, because everyone kind of has to have an us versus them thing. Do you think he gets a pass because people didn't like what Sean was doing, whereas Brett was kind of an issue himself at times? Yeah, this is okay. So, yeah, Sean was being selfish, immature, uh, you know, high, you know, being a being a raging dick bag in a lot of cases. And he could be sandbag. He sandbagged Nash at 11. Yeah. So he's got a record of doing that. Here's the thing. If Brett's going to be the consummate professional he claims to be. Then don't pitch up fit like this you know make it work for god's sakes do your damn job which is just say you know okay i can't stand Shawn michaels but we're having this match if we want it to be a good match then what the hell i'll take the first fall then okay i'll do that and yeah the the thing you know sean was such an insufferable prick for so much of the 90s that by comparison yeah it's it's not it's obviously not um you know, you, you put them next to each other, and one seems worse than the other. Sure, I'm with you on that, but on the other hand, shit, dude, come on. Don't claim to be such a professional and behave like – you're still doing it. Don't whataboutism me and say, well, he's worse. It's like, no, you're doing it too. I know he's worse. I know he's got a bad pattern of behavior, but that doesn't excuse what you're doing. Or just do what Diesel did um, at WrestleMania 11. Like, well, if you're going to sandbag me, I guess I'm just going to have to do this the hard way and then still have a good yeah. match with him. Yeah. And so, yeah, this match, this match sucks. I hate this match. I never want to see it again. (laughs) And it is insulting in the waste of time that this match is. It is the bottom of my list. So do you guys think that this match gets um, overrated over the years because it's a sunk cost fallacy match where people spent an hour on it so they feel like it's. Yes, it's it's dramatically overrated. And I think if you watch, like, and Matt's going to know what I'm talking about, like those all Japan matches that went like 45 or 60 minutes, or even like Flare Steamboat 2, like, really show, like, what you can do with an hour. Well, I mean, we just watched uh, Sting Flare. Oh, yeah. That's and that true. match, that, that, I don't think that was really like an hour, right? It was, it was like gimmicked. 22 minutes. Yeah, it like long. gimmicked, it was an hour, but it. Yeah, it was it was like a good it was like a good 45 minutes, but it wasn't like an hour. But that match was so fantastic. And at no point was I like, oh, OK, yeah, here's here's the uh, here's the chin lock that they're going to put. They're going to put on for like five minutes to kill some time. No. But this like, uh, again, like it, I think it's uh, technically it's a fine match. But this is one of those things like for me, this is why I rank like the both Brett Yoko matches higher. It's like it at a certain point like some matches may be like technically good but if they just don't resonate with me then i'm not i just i'm not going to put them higher i'm not going to rank them higher i'm not going to if we're doing you know star ratings snowflakes i just not going to give them a lot because i need i need to actually like feel something about it and this just felt like 
I, I don't have the I don't have the level of it, of hatred <laughs> that Chad does for this. Well, but. he's fresh off of watching it, and he we know he spent <laughs> an hour on that. So let's yeah. um let's move on to let's move on to WrestleMania 13, um, which is a pretty good uh, event. Like where it, where did you wait? No, never mind. I'm sorry. Go ahead, guys. Um, so that has that awesome Brett Austin match, but there's also a really underrated. Owen Bulldog versus Mankind Invader tag title match on that. That's just like a great match with a bad ending, I think. But so this mm-hmm. is this is the Undertaker versus Sid. Um, is this the is this the infamous match where uh, Sid sharded himself? Oh God, I don't. I don't know this think story. so. I don't think that's frame. this one. It was in the time frame, but I don't think yeah. it was at Mania. And the, the story behind that, Matt, is um, Sid was sick and was working sick and, you know, stuff happens. My favorite my favorite story along those lines, though, is when Vince was going out to do a promo and he tried to fart on, like, Jerry Briscoe and sharded himself. And he had and he had to, like, walk out. So he went like he went out there loaded and did his promo. Oh, God. That's. And then I think they said he came back and started chasing Jerry Briscoe. I think, cause I think, I think it was one of those things where, um, Briscoe was an easy puker mm-hmm. and, you know, being a jock environment. Cause they said, was that Bobby Eaton? They used to pick on all the time. Uh, I think so. By the way, apparently it was in that match that, that Sid, Sid soiled his stuff, but, Oh, and um, I'm looking it up. This speaking of speaking of of um, bodily functions. Remember, you mentioned on Tim's thing about Raven talking about the the wrestling sleezes, and he said he thought the Jimmy Valiant thing was plausible. Yeah. His problem with that story was he doesn't think Ricky Morton would have left. <laughs> He was like, that's plausible. Like, I don't think Ricky Morton would have left, though. I, I, I remember there was a there was a video where it was Raven and some Raven and Honky Tonk, I yeah. think. Yeah, discussing it. I so, just looked it up because you mentioned that. I wanted to see what he said. Okay, that that's probably worth a watch if you got the stomach for it. There's audio of it on YouTube. Okay. So this is, um, I did not like this as much as Hogan said, but you guys seem to have liked this a little better. Let's, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to say, I disliked this a little less than Hogan said. Okay. This match still sucks. Um, I give it a little, I, I give this a little leeway knowing that Sid was sick for this, though. That explains a couple things. It really? does. I'm sorry. I just hated this match. Oh yeah. Oh, and it's it, awful. It went like 20 minutes. Like how did it? How did it go this long? Oh, I thought yeah. this only went like eight minutes. It felt like it feels like an eight-minute match. It really was 20. It was 21 minutes. Oh my god! Oh, really? Yeah. It drugged it, this, on. This is my. This is number 17. I hate this match. It's it's the, of the first 17. It's at the very bottom. It's 15 for me. I could have, if I could have put this at number eighteen of seventeen, I would have. <laughs> I could subtract points somehow. 
<laughs> you were awarded no points, and may God have mercy uh. on your soul. This it has it's like what we're in the first five minutes and there's a bear hug rest hold. What? What? It's it's terrible. And okay, I'm I, I put this in my notes and I couldn't remember, but in the whole um, infamous Sid leg thing, didn't Sid claim he never he never came off the turnbuckles and he didn't want to do it and they kept harassing him about it? Did it maybe? Now I'm gonna ask because this is gonna be. This could be technically correct, which, as we all know, is the best kind of correct. But was he <laughs> saying he never came off of the top rope and he was coming off of the middle rope? Because I'm not a worker, but that seems like that is a, there is a difference there. I never came off the top myself, but frankly, it's because I didn't feel like I needed to. But I thought, like, I only watched the leg break once, so... I didn't. Yeah. I thought he came off the middle. And if he's saying no, I've never done that before. It's like he said you did it three times in this match. Um, which wow, that is some. If he if he soiled his trunks in this match, coming off the second for flying axe handles, that's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it pays off. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because you could just see him getting jet propelled off of it at some point, which would have been horrific. Well, it could have been an an awful landing but you know it, at least he was at least he wasn't wearing white that would have been awkward yeah pretty much um no this match sucks matt do you have more you want to add to how much it sucks no <laughs> is this um, <laughs> is it is this like the famous um beavis line of this both sucks and blows yeah, for me, we'd have to look at the all the all the main events for the rest of the manias because this might actually be like my lowest. It might, it still might be the lowest. Um, if I wasn't making a stand on principle, this would be my lowest. Was um, was Roman and Taker bad? You know, I would actually have to watch that. Yeah, I don't I, remember. That made, gonna... so so this is like a really uh, inside personal story. Like I was supposed to be at that mania, and by that I mean I had tickets, but at the time, like I was working for a boss who was just evil, and literally like two days before I was supposed to leave to go down, it was in it was in Florida before I was supposed to leave to go down to Florida to do all the mania shows. Like she canceled my leave, and was basically like you have to work and. Uh, like everything that I, all the work that she alleged I needed to do, like I was done with it by like midday Friday. So it's like, <laughs> it was such a, a joke. She was just evil, but I mm-hmm. missed out on this mania. And that has left such a, like a bitterness that I still have not watched. I still have not watched that. I think it was what like, about, I think that was mania 34. What about Cena and Miz? Uh, that's not good, but I would not rate that lower than, than take or sit. I I had a the the Roman taker thing I had dueling emotions during that because number one it felt like I was watching that match while my eyes were continuously rolling and then number two I really I, I watching taker have that match made me feel bad because it did not look like 
Roman Reigns having a match with The Undertaker. It looked like Roman Reigns beating up an old man. And uh, I don't know. It, it just I just had a just kind of like a, a visceral recoil from that. And and then at the end of it, Taker does his thing. He takes off his gloves and his stuff, and he leaves it in the ring. And I'm just like, that's 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 a bad one to go out on. I'm looking right now. Um, was the Edgerus Undertaker match at um, 24 good? I don't know. Triple H was Randy Orton probably pissed me off. But I don't know if it was bad. I'm I'm not going to like it regardless, but I don't know. Uh, there's a there's a legitimate chance that is the worst. Well, Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre might have been worse. And Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre was quick, at least. That's it true. didn't drag like this did. It's not a good match, but it's just a quick match. It's. It's just like it's kind of like a nothing match. Yeah. How how long was it? It was like five minutes, maybe. If that. Yeah, it was short. It was really short. I would have to see that Triple H Orton one. That one might be in contention. But this is probably down there. (sighs) Uh, This is like a a sidebar before we continue on, uh, because I know we're we're working our way through. We're almost we're almost done. But so this is the second year that they've done two nights of Mania. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to disparage um, Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks, but I, I just don't know that I consider the match one, the night one main events to be like a quote unquote WrestleMania main event. Like yeah, I, I just, they I just didn't feel really like have anything that felt mania ish. I mean. I like Bianca Belair, and I think she has a lot of potential, but I don't think... I think she needed, like... The problem is, though, with stuff like that, is they're trying to build new people and give new people the spotlight, but they're incompetent at building them. So I I, I would say, like, give her another year, but they just would have screwed it up, so... I don't know. I'm not I'm not really into Bianca Belair, but I think it's... I think in this case, it's probably just because I, I actually... I, I'm very... Uh, I'm very into Sasha Banks. I'm pro-Sasha Banks, so... I was kind of sad to see her lose, but I do know they 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 des- look oh, across the board. They desperately need to build new stars, so I and, get it. And Bianca's got a good look. I like the stuff she does with her hair. Like I think that's really cool. And like when um just watching her deadlift people is fucking awesome. Yeah, they've they've made a a point to actually incorporate a lot of her like freakish athletic ability, which I think is very smart because beyond. Beyond like the the gimmicky stuff they do with like her hair, like that, I think is what is really getting her over. Like people, people understand that she's just a phenomenal, actual pure athlete. So I like that they're doing that. Like because um... she's, I mean, I mean, like sometimes, like you know, it's like you know when they do stuff with Sonya Deville, she's strong, but like Bianca, like Bianca just like makes it look like nothing, just like picking people up off the ground. Yeah. The just as an aside real quick, the um, post match uh, after Bianca won, someone dug up some footage like uh, I don't know. I don't know if it was if it was fan footage or what, but 
found footage of Sasha at ringside, and Sasha is sitting there by the barricade with this huge grin on her face because she's looking up, being like, you know, hey, I, I helped build Bianca into something, you know, something big, something yeah. important. So, you know what? Even even if I'm like, you know, did. Even if I and I haven't watched enough of the build to tell, but even if I was to sit and pontificate and say, you know, does is this was it was it too early or something like that? If someone if someone like Sasha, who's been to the top of the mountain, was happy to lose at WrestleMania to Bianca and give her that rub, then who am I to argue? You know, that's think, that's good stuff. I think sometimes people get too worried about that, and sometimes you just got to take your shot, like. Sometimes you just got to say, like, fuck it. Who cares if it's too early? Like, let's just let's just do it. We we got. Yeah, yeah we got to do something. Let's do this. But my problem with the two night manias, though, is it's happened both years. It's like mm-hmm. night one seems to invariably end up being pretty good. And then you come around for night two. And like, for some reason, that's where, like, all the dumb shit and like the miscues are. And like, I don't know why yes. this stuff like why Apollo Crews beat biggie and i also don't know why i also and i know why i know they did this on purpose because that's the shit they do but i don't know why you finally had fans in your building after over a year of no fans and then you had heels go over in like 85 percent of the matches yeah that's the thing that bugs me this is flipping wrestlemania this is the blow-off show for the year this is the time when the faces win and then you know, going forward, you start building new storylines. Why in the hell are you are you going to have, you know, the the heels go over most of the time? And, you know, the the crowd was not happy about that. Uh, I, I'm I'm glad that the crowd is back because now all of a sudden they're going to start keeping them accountable and dumping on things they don't like. I think they'll. I think. I think they're gonna find any reason to go back to the Thunderdome and just get rid of fans altogether. <laughs> Probably mm-hmm. for a little bit. I, can I, I? Let me speak really quickly about the Apollo Crew stuff. I actually, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Big E. I'm hoping that what this means is that they're gonna move. They're finally gonna move Big E up to the main event. And I think it's a little early, but I, I do think you can you can build towards him challenging at SummerSlam and winning the title. Like I would love mm-hmm. to see that. Cause I think Biggie, it, it's like his time. Like he has so much charisma. He's a good worker. I think you could actually really do something special with him. Um, I don't mind Apollo Crews winning. Cause I actually think they have an opportunity to do something with him. I think his new character is interesting, but I don't like, I don't like the finish they did. Like they basically had Baba Tunde, uh, AKA Davacato <laughs> come in and uh, run interference and, and, and what I think it's chokesland Big E. I think so. So that's, that's how like Cruz won. I, I didn't like, I didn't like the finish and I hate, I hate what they're apparently going to be doing with this. I think it, it seemed it, what I've heard, like his name could be commander Aziz and they have him dressed in, like Ugh. a little like fucking like military outfit and it's like th- just th- please don't uh, yeah I, I understand that the the real person baba tunde is of nigerian descent so it, it there there is a logical step to actually com- like having them be paired together but 
I, I, I just don't like it. Um, yeah. And I, I even say that as someone who I, I'm not opposed to Cruz going over and then pushing Cruz because I do think the character is, to me is interesting. And I think he's a good enough worker that they could actually do something with him. I like that, that uh, turning heel, he now has like an edge. So I like it. I think they, I think they need to build people up, but I don't know. I, again, it's like they do stuff that I'm, that finally I'm interested in, in kind of, and then they do it in such a like awful way or poorly I've, done way that it, it like, ah, oh, this is like a turnoff now. Come on. Yeah. I think my favorite way of expressing what you were saying with like, don't do that gimmick with this person was, um, I saw someone, they were doing a cap captain planet retrospective and there's a captain planet episode where they're trying to address racism and HIV and all this stuff in like one episode. And the guy is like slamming on this alarm button going, stop, stop. You are not talented enough to do this abort mission, abort mission. That's kind of what it sounds like. It's like, you guys are not good enough to pull this Uh, off. Don't, don't do it. We should talk about when we get back to cartoons, we should talk about that as one of the worst. Um, Captain Planet or that episode? Captain Planet in general, just being a terrible show. So we're in the we're in the home run here. This is what I like to call the the if Austin's not in your main event, you're in trouble era of (laughs) WrestleMania. So WrestleMania 14, Austin versus Michaels. Um, Shad, you just watched this recently, but I remember the last time I watched this, I was struck by Sean really seemed to be struggling with his back in this he seemed really stiff in the back you could tell that he was not moving okay that's that's not entirely fair let me rephrase you could tell it was bothering him and yet he still did some stuff that he probably ought not have done there was a um he did like a he almost did like a flare thing in the corner i remember that well he did but there was a Early in the match, he he hits the ropes, and it's not that he's doing a dive, but Austin like backdrops him over the top, and he goes all the way up and over like flat back to the floor. Oh. It's like, dude, what are you doing? If your back is screwed up, don't be doing that. And and there, but he did. Because um, I remember. Because for- I think. Um- I'm trying to remember this. I could be wrong, but didn't he get hurt because he and Taker did that casket match and like they did some move and he like caught the casket weird, like on his tailbone and it kind of like screwed things up. It was the story as I understand it. And I went back and watched the match to see if I could catch it. So as near as I could tell, it was a spot a lot like what I was just like. Michael's like to do that over the rope onto the apron, tumbled to the floor spot. And he did that tumble to the floor spot and then landed landed his spine like just below his like just above his lower back but below his shoulder blades across the edge of the casket. And um, that's my understanding of what screwed him up. That's um, yeah, that's because I think I remember I saw that at one point. So you know, he's not yeah, he's not running at a hundred percent. But some good things from this match, the notes I had is that First of all, they don't have like a lot of dead space going on. By the way, so refreshing from the previous Mania is there's not a lot of slow moving. Like they don't have dead space. They do some stuff, and then one sells away from the other, so you have some time to breathe. Like 
you know, uh, Austin does some stuff and then Sean like bumps and rolls away or stumbles out of the corner away from him or something. So the crowd has time to breathe. It's like, I've done some stuff. Now I give the chance a crowd to breathe and catch up to it. And now we go into doing more. And so it's, it's not like, it's not full to boom, 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 one thing after another, but they keep the flow going and it keeps the crowd engaged because it's not like, you know, hey, you know, you're not moving at such a fast pace that they can't keep up with you. But they're also um, they're moving fast enough that it keeps you interested. Now, so I, yeah, I, this is one part I don't remember because I didn't watch this. Now, did did Tyson figure into the finish, or did he just turn on Michaels after the fact? Uh, he okay. That that goes to the only other note that I made is there's a really good ref bump in this. Mike Kyoto takes takes a ref bump like a man in this. Hmm. Um, like I, I don't, I, I didn't, I should have written down what it was, but he take he takes an actual, like serious, honest to god ref bump where you look at that and go, God, I'd be down too. So Tyson rolls in and does the three count, and so he doesn't. He socks Michaels after the match when Michaels gets in his face, but he. Um, his his thing in screwing Michaels is doing the three count at the end. And it needs to be said too, like um, Ty, this is this is pre Holyfield bite. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is pre Holy Holyfield bite. So Tyson still had like a lot of pop culture juice at this point. Yeah. Was yeah, the still... was the Holyfield bite in the fall of this year? Because I think he had just lost to Holyfield the first time. <laughs> Uh, what's the date? What's the date on this mania? Uh, like April of 1998. I am trying to. The Tyson Holyfield match was November 9th, 96. Was, but what was the second one? Cause there were two. Oh, there were two. That might've uh... been the first match. I'm trying to look it up too. Um, uh, Tyson Holt. Oh, 97. Okay, so the earbite did happen already. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Because I was gonna say I, I knew I was in high school for for that. So. Yeah. But it, it got um, you know that even though Tyson didn't win, that still kind of added to the the mystique, I guess, of of Mike Tyson in that. Even if he wasn't winning, he was going to do something to you. There's a really funny commercial. I don't remember what it's for. It's like Tyson knocks on his door and he's like, I'm sorry I bit your ear. <laughs> oh, what's that for? Damn it. Yeah, I'll remember it when it's useless. But <laughs> after, after the show's over. Yeah. Um. So I actually like this match quite a bit. This is fourth on my list. It is number five on mine. Matt, what about you? Uh, this match, this match was actually number five on mine too. Okay, so we got a top fiver there. Um, I think, yep. I think most, well, I think the Austin matches are going to end up high. So we go to uh, WrestleMania 15, which is just like an absolutely wretched shit show of a show, with a good main event. Um, this is Austin versus Rock, coming off of like a hot. Um, rock and foley program they did like the whole halftime heat yeah um 
this this year. Um, Rock was wearing a shirt because he was he wearing the shirt here, Shad, or did he? No, he was wearing the shirt at halftime heat, but by this point he wasn't wearing the shirt okay, anymore. He had had some operation that he was covering up. Um, so I like this one a lot. This is very. This is one of Rock's better matches, I'd say, and probably one of Austin's better matches. Uh, this is practically like a one-match show. This was very much in like in the dead center of the Attitude Era, which people always have like rose-colored glasses for. No, but yeah. you're right; like this is an absolutely terrible mania because the Vince this is the Russo... height of it. I'd say because I'd say the Attitude yeah. Era. I would say the jump the shark moment of the Attitude Era, where it starts going. Well, I think downhill and interest and everything is the 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 Vince McMahon reveal. No, there's a couple things I think that kill the Attitude Era: Owen Hart's death, the Vince mm-hmm. McMahon reveal, and then Taker and Austin having health issues. But I think the highest rated Raw segment ever is when Austin beats Taker for the title. I think in um, like June or July of '99 on raw did that beat this is your life yes because i think that's the one time no maybe this is this is your life got like an 8.4 share yeah i don't remember it got a a big number this that got a big number though but um yes this is i would say this is the height of it yeah this this mania is been through so crash tv writ large and it's just it's it's overall just terrible outside of the main event, which was fantastic. Like I thought, uh, if not, it's a really good match. It's a really really like impressive main event, especially because The Rock was he was he was there. He had arrived in the main event, but he still was like new. Not I would never have called The Rock a great worker either. He could he could do good stuff with the right opponents, but I don't think Rock was ever like an A-list entering guy. That's a whole, that's an argument that we could probably explore and pick apart because there, there are times I would agree with you. And there are times I'm like, "Hmm, maybe he's more like a Hogan where he's actually much better than we, than we like the conventional wisdom says he is. It's just, he didn't necessarily have to be busting that at all times. He's not as good as, as Austin. Like Austin, Austin's Austin was like at his height of this Austin was elite but I wanted to say one thing in the rocks positive column is when Rhino would gore him rock would take that like he was getting broken in half yeah yeah Uh, I mean the rock the rock benefits from the fact that his charisma was like so off the charts it was it rivals Hogan and you can make the argument that in some respects it actually eclipses Hogan I mean, there's. It's not a surprise that Rock is one of the biggest movie stars out there right now. I'd say like, he's the biggest because if you look at his, I mean, I'm not going to argue. Well, I mean, if you look at, I, I I would argue he is the biggest because if you look at his resume of like the last five years, if you want an easy way to net a billion dollars at the box office, you put The Rock in the the leading role, and I yeah. I would argue, I would argue that he is the only draw in Hollywood right now. As far as you put him on the marquee, you're going to put some asses in seats and he's, draw a lot of money. He's absolutely a draw. I, my wife and I, uh, about a week, uh, week ago, week and a half ago, we were actually just doing some stuff like around the house, but we threw on uh, the, the second Jumanji movie 
And like 75% of the movie, it's The Rock doing essentially a Danny DeVito impression. <laughs> oh, that sounds hilarious. <laughs> but it actually kind of works and it's funny. And he's still like charismatic. He's still he's still so much fun. The Rock is a guy who like, I, I'm, I he seems like a good person. Uh, I uh, He seems very positive on social media. I have no idea how he is in real life, but he just comes across as a guy like, you want to know The Rock. Yeah, like, he my seems cousin like a really met fun him. guy. Mm-hmm. And we told the story on a dark match, but my um, my uncle was a limo driver for them for a raw. So my cousin got like to wander backstage and said he was <laughs> the rock actually took time and like talked to him and stuff. Instead of just the... like, hey, here, I'll sign your thing. It was more like a hey, like, how you doing? And blah, 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 blah. But I but my my cousin played football. So I think they talked about that a bit. Yeah. The other thing, I'm I'm sorry, I'm adding to your point is oh, sure. they kept the thing that kept happening is uh, I've I've heard the phrase but the Rock being like franchise Viagra is that he you put him into a franchise that's losing juice and then all of a sudden it starts coming back. You mean like um like uh, the Fast, Fast and, and Furious movies? Yeah. And then all of a sudden they've got a new lease on life. Uh, yeah, you know uh, there's a great case to be made for the fact that the guy just. He's got the charisma that draws the people in. And I mean, he made, I think that stupid Rampage movie with him did a billion. Yeah. Uh, that's a fun movie. <laughs> it's actually is like it? a fun movie. No, it it's, is. It's but... an absolutely ridiculous movie. And there are points of the movie, by, by the end, there are things about the movie that logically, unlike I was bothered by, but it's still just The Rock and giant monsters. And I, that that's kind of like enough. <laughs> and I think I think it's done better than any like Godzilla movies ever done. So that should tell you what a draw he is. I mean, he he does put he put asses in seats. To yeah. Kind of paraphrase Jr. Yeah, who would have thought that a um, the scorpion who would have king? Thought that a, well, who would have thought that that having a rampage movie would have benefited from having a human character be uh, such a big part of it and instead of you know giant monsters punching each other but I, there we go I you mean, know what we need more of in our life is gold dust and um booker t reviewing movies like they were on raw for a while <laughs> oh man that was amazing <laughs> what were you gonna say matt i the rock is literally like a, a generational talent like he's mm-hmm. you get you get like one rock every like 20 30 years uh, yeah and sometimes even maybe, 40 years yeah maybe less than that because the, the i would say in the last 20 years the person who's probably closest is cena and uh as the years have gone by like i actually have uh an affection for cena and i actually feel like i appreciate him more i will give but, him credit that mm-hmm. stupid suicide movie um trailer that looks just absolutely awful he was the best part of that trailer yes yeah i see i actually think has a good amount of charisma and i he's one of those guys like he i feel like i like i i I root for him because i do i think he's probably like a nice guy i he's probably the closest to rock in the last like 20 years and i still don't even think he's as close to rock as you would think but there uh there was this is like really just a just an aside was in a movie a few years back called um, uh, Blockers, which is short for Cock Blockers, where he plays 
he plays the dad of like a teenage girl. Okay. Uh, the the premise of the film is that it's like a trio of of um like high school girls who are going to they plan to lose their virginity on prom night. Okay. And it's like the the parent like three, the parents of those three girls like are trying to like stop that from happening. It's just like a it's like a teenage comedy. Um, like it's like an inverse American Pie. Yeah, and that, it's like, that's it, like it's, they've um. That's like the new Hollywood gimmick is they take those like raunchy comedies now and they star them with like they pretty much do like the same archetypes and everything except they have like a female cast instead of like a male cast is kind of what that movie is. It's like an it's kind of like um it's kind of like what kind of like American Pie and Road Trip except like they just have a female cast. Yeah. And uh it's it's just like it's um I'm not gonna say it's like a family film, but it's just like a it's perfectly fine. It's, it's like, a throwaway it's, comedy. It is, but it's like it's oddly like kind of endearing. It's just it's it wasn't bad. It was kind of funny. He did a fantastic job in it. Like his he has he does have like good charisma and it does come off. So whenever he is on screen, he is either funny or at least like endearing. So I actually the fact that he's kind of doing the old school like the Hogan Rock thing where he's kind of transitioning to I would say films. I would mm-hmm. actually say um, Okada is the the generational talent that's out there right now. That's I hadn't thought about that, but that's actually a fair point. I think the problem is just that America obviously like if you're a wrestling if you're a, a smart fan a diehard wrestling fan like you know who he is, but the larger American public wouldn't know who he is, but he does have, he has, he does have a lot of charisma. Yeah. I think that's fair. I just think like, I just think that he doesn't get brought into it just because like I said, he doesn't speak English. Like if you're not a hardcore that's watched new Japan, you haven't seen much of him. You don't really have the context of, you know, new Japan's done like a huge eight years on his back is like their mm. main guy. Um, so anyway, so Austin Rock 1 is my number two. Uh, it is uh, mine as well. Mm. I have it one step below that. I have it as number Wait, wait, three. wait. Austin Rock 1. Yeah, Austin Rock number one is your number two. Okay. Sorry. I, for a moment, I didn't hear that correctly in my head. Okay. Uh, I have it as number three, but it's it's obviously top five. So elite level main event here. Mm-hmm. Now, um, we're going to get into a pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Triple H versus Mick Foley versus Big Show versus The Rock. Now, um, where where I take issue with this is this should have been straight up Triple H versus The Rock. Um, Mick Foley is really bad in this because he has ring rust out the ass because... He had been retired for two months, and I don't think he had a lot of notice to get into shape. Um, Big Show should just not have been in this. Like, I'm sorry, I love Big Show, but you don't think of Big Show when you think of, like, the main event of WrestleMania. And then this has the mortal sin of Triple H won when no one in the world wanted Triple H to win. Yeah, that happens a few times. (sighs) And then... Yeah. yeah, he won clean, and then he, The Rock, only won the belt by pinning Vince McMahon in a, a couple months down the road. Mm. Wasn't this match also 
like insanely long. Shad. Uh, let me look that up. I remembered this one, so I actually didn't go back and watch it again. Oh. This um, this mania was not good. No, it had because... a, it had a couple really good matches. It had it had one of the good um, Edge Christian Dudley Boys Hardy Boys matches because there was that period at this point in time. Those three teams could have matches with each other, or all all together would have matches, and you could count on every match being good or insane. I think where this one really fell into issue was there was not a straight one-on-one match anywhere on this card. It was all like tag matches, like three ways, four ways, like weird. Uh, yeah, the Hardcore Battle Royal was on this one. I have no um, recollection of that. Oh, it's it just ran up everybody's hardcore title reigns because anytime you got a pinfall in it, you won the title. But the the hardcore battle royal went on for fifteen minutes, so whoever had the title at the end walked away with it. Oh, um, the main event that you mentioned, the four way main event went for thirty six and a half oh, minutes. Fucking god, really? Yeah, okay. thirty six and a half minutes. Can I can I change some things? because <laughs> i have it at 14 and that that might justify being 17 there's no reason for it to be that long it's because triple no. h always has to go fucking long no matter how much the crowd doesn't want it he is going to beat them over the head with his 20 to 40 minute match like jerk off sessions every mania and it's uh... and every year his program falls flat but you know he's a booking genius if you listen to the internet even though NXT fucking lost to an upstart. <laughs> I hate, I don't, I don't like him. Like he's just, he is, I hate how everyone like compliments him and stuff because he's not good. He doesn't have that great a mind of wrestling. Like he just doesn't. Uh, I might, I, 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 I could probably be arsed into saying that I think he would be better in the future than Vince. Because Vince has just been seems like been completely bonkers. I I mean, there's, but, but I mean, like, if you look at NXT now, like they've ru- they just do the same stuff, and Vince doesn't care about that. Like, look what they're doing to Scarlett down there. Yeah, that's, like she has talent and a personality, and all she is is like part of Killer Cross's um, entrance. Entrance, yeah. The uh, if. If I was going to say that, okay, if I'm, if, and this is, this is like slapdash off the cuff stuff, but if I was going to say, okay, we'll make a, uh, you know, just try and make a half-hearted defense real quick. And, and I don't expect this to be good. So, you know, bear with me on it. But if Triple H was originally running that, NXT as it was the farm league and then so people would come up and they do stuff and then they they'd rotate on okay cool then that quit happening but Vince is still quote-unquote going to call people up at who knows when and so there's this specter floating around of you know I don't know when I'm going to lose who uh, because because Vince says you know he gets 
you know, he gets a thought he won't let go of. Um, so my counter argument to you is NXT was at its best when Dusty Rhodes was still alive and Ryan Ward was not working on the main roster. So Triple H I'm, had nothing to do with it when it was good. It was two creative guys doing the legwork and him taking the this credit. is I told you I told you that this was just slapdash off the cuff. So you bear with me, okay? I know it's not going to be great, but that's that's all I got. It could probably be better if some of that if that specter wasn't always hanging around because then he could kind of solidify his card, but uh, I don't know. There's there's still decisions that just baffle the hell out of me. So where do you guys have this uh, crap show ranked? I have Mania 2000. I have it sitting at 12 by the virtue of... I I don't know. I, I just dislike my my 13 through 17 more by a bit you know it's this is this is a cesspool down here of things i'm not happy with so it's i'm split i'm up to a point i'm splitting hairs except for 17 when i'm just losing my mind but uh i'm with you shad i actually have it as number 12 number 12 jeez i don't feel so it's not a good match but if i had to rank it in terms of like snowflakes, I would have it. It's like like two stars, maybe two and a half. I'd it's, say two and a it, half. It's just average. But the, I, you for a mania main event, like you don't want average. You want it to be a a, a good in theory, like theoretically, yeah. like well, a good I, match. I think the crime it really commits is is you you do not make people sit through thirty six minutes for a kick wham pedigree on the person they wanted to see. Yeah. Win. You don't make them sit through 36 minutes for the heel to win the main event of the biggest show of the year. Cause I, I think don't, I remember this. Don't do the crowd just go like dead quiet afterwards and that's it. You know what? That's, that's enough of a point that I'm going to try and look it up. Um, uh, I'm going to see if I can find it real quick. So, so I think this last one is going to be unanimous. Um, while Shad looks this up, just interrupt when we get there. So yeah. our final WrestleMania, and I think still probably the best WrestleMania from top to bottom, is WrestleMania X7. We have Austin Rock 2. Um, now this does have the one, I, I'm not counting it against it, but um, this has what I think it was the dumbest thing a promotion has ever done where they tried to turn Austin heel and it didn't work. He got cheered for beating the rock up with a chair. Yeah. But I mean, and, it was and, it was within the bounds though, because this is a no DQ match. Yeah, and Austin, I watched this match back. the The way I watched this match back was it was actually Austin doing commentary over top of it. So it was Austin talking me through this match, and and. I, you know, I could get used to that. I enjoyed the hell out of it. So, um, we'll get into this a little more, but so this is my number one, obviously, because I haven't said my number one. <laughs> this is also my number one. Yeah, it, it's mine too. Just because this is, this is an impeccably work mat, worked match, uh, worked match. 
Um, it's it gives you what you want, which I think we were all dying for Austin to get the belt back because I think at this point um, he hadn't had it for quite a while. I don't think at least like a year and a half. I'm fuzzy on that. I'm not sure. Yeah, because I don't think he had had it since. Um, when did who did he lose it to in '99? Since SummerSlam '99, I don't think he'd had it since SummerSlam '99. <laughs> that would have I'm been just... the that would have been the Foley Triple H Austin one where Foley wins it, and Jesse Ventura was the special guest ref. So he hadn't had it for about a year and a half, if I'm guessing right. I'm still trying to run that down. Oh, I might have found it. Give me just a second. Okay. I'm I'm gonna mute myself while I check this. So, um, and this is this caps off a really good WrestleMania. Um, I don't. It was a really weird ending though, because I remember, I remember being really confused by the the turn at the time. Yeah. Well, it wasn't well. It wasn't well received. No, and they really, I mean, the product really goes, like, stone cold after this. Yeah. And then I I do love, I just want to state, I do love that the Iron Sheik won the Battle Royal because he could not actually take a bump to the outside. (laughs) Um, Sting is older now than the Iron Sheik was in that event. Wow. So does the crowd go dead quiet, Shad? I'm playing that section right now. Okay. Vince just clocked the rock with a chair. He got Austin gets like a big pop for just walloping him. Well, because that's not out of character for Austin to do. That's totally a thing Austin would do. And then they did like the the they went into the invasion and they killed Angle because they. This is where they start like not putting the title on people at the right time because they did angle like shortly after after they like he won by like DQ, which was like totally the wrong ending at SummerSlam, I think, or the pay-per-view after. OK, so quick report at the end of the WrestleMania 2000 main event, um, Rock takes um you know rock takes two chair shots from mcmahon triple h crawls over and does the pin and it they did one two three and the crowd goes ah it just kind of like trails off over the course of about five seconds it just trails off and the only thing you hear is triple h's music and there's a thing you know the rock's like getting up and leaving that sort of stuff and and the, the crowd's just there's there's this is not the sound you want to hear at the end of WrestleMania is the uh... the the rappers hitting the ground as people are getting up <laughs> the 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 shoes scuffing as they make their way the towards random, the exits the random person in the upper bowl like with a single cough <laughs> <laughs> no that didn't happen but oh man that would be Yeesh. 
So, uh, so yeah, so that's our consensus number one. I'm not really surprised by that. I actually think that's far and away the best. There were some things that um, just just I wanted to point out because Austin pointed out a bunch of them. Um, the in the course of this match, it was there was a foreshadow because it inverted the face heel structure of most matches where Austin was actually in kind of playing the heel to kind of foreshadow. Um, and then Austin doing stuff like shoving the rep and stuff like that also kind of, he, he said he was trying to foreshadow some of that stuff, but one thing that they do so well in this match that you don't see outside of rock Austin and rock, uh, rock Michaels or Austin Michaels is that even in the times of the slow moments, whoever is up will go to do something that will draw the camera's attention while the other guy is he's blading or he's selling or he's he's moving position to set up for the next thing like they keep doing things that draw the camera away or draw attention to them instead of the other guy and so they go and they do something and they come back and it keeps the pace going it covers the slow spots for comparison's sake, just to compare this to Sid Taker, like, you know, Austin knocks Rock down and he goes over and he rolls out of the ring and he's going to get the bell while while Rock's getting in position for it to feed up to take the take the bell shot. Whereas in Sid Taker, if Taker was down, Sid would just stand there and look at him. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and Taker would be coming up and then Sid would be like, oh, yeah, I should go do something. And then he'd go and like lean into the ropes to come at him. But Austin and Rock keep there is cons- constant movement unless it's a double down and they're both selling and there's you know they're they they keep attention going and they keep movement and it keeps the match feeling like it's moving at a brisk pace. And that's that's just great. One thing that um during the match so I actually I actually got my parents to order this for me. So I watched this live and I was like losing my mind during this main event. But one thing that I think they, I, I liked that they did that foreshadowed, because uh, no one knew that Austin was turning heel, like watching live. Like you just, you just didn't know that. But one thing I like is that they did have him do like heelish stuff. Yeah. And they, they basically like, they sold it just as like, you know, Austin's just showing like uh, not not desperation, but it's like he wants to win the title. Like he's gonna he's he's doing everything he can. He's even like breaking the rules to make this happen. Yeah, and it made a it made a certain amount of sense. Um, but then you you know there was that the turn the double turn at the end, which yeah, uh, in retrospect didn't work. Uh, I think they. I mean, Austin has talked about this. Like he, they did it because he thought they had kind of run the course yeah. with him as like the. And mm, I don't think that was like an, an insane line of thinking. Like I understand where he was going, but it turned out like actually no. Like you had not run the course. People were st- people were still into it. You could have you could have probably got another year out of it of him being like the face. But yeah. Well, I yeah. think though, I think where they were missed the mark is. Austin had been on top for what four ish years at that point. Yeah. 
But with his injuries, though, he wasn't. That wasn't a four straight years. Like he kind of came yeah. and went. Like there were, there were a couple of six months periods where he really wasn't there, or he was like a background character. Mm-hmm. So I think I think they were I think they were wrong in their thinking, and that I think he probably had another another year. I think he would have started running into some resistance and could have turned heel like when Rob Van Dam started getting really over. But um, but that would have been like another six months. Yeah, that, that'd be a while. And I think even like, I mean, I think they could have, it could have worked too. If they had gone straight into like the Canadian Chris's is their first opponents instead of like the Undertaker Kane thing, it might've gone over a little better because that seems like where they, they started making some headway with him as a heel. Mm-hmm. But I also think I also think kind of making him Triple H's bitch really undercut him too. Well, Austin's statement about that because he talked about it in the thing was he said the problem is if I was going to stay as a heel, I needed to keep people from cheering for me. So he chose to pair himself with Triple H, who is such an established heel that people would be mad at him for it. It was to keep them from starting to cheer him again. Yeah, but and I think that just made people tune out, though. I don't know. Um, him and him and Angle backstage in cowboy hats still makes me laugh, though. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that's fair. But I think like I think there are things they could have. There, there are some things they could have done. Like, I think, I think, um, I think you could have kept him face a little longer. Maybe have him turn heel, like when Rob Van Van Dam starts getting hot, um, they could have gone right into, especially because of the injuries, like you could have done him and Booker T um, fairly quick, but they were really against that. Yeah. Because they had to prove that, like, the WCW guys weren't worth anything. I, I can't help but wonder if that's... Is that Vince's own thinking, or was that someone else getting in his ear? Or even like, even though I and I would, you could even have gotten like, I think if they would have done it different, you could have gotten a big deal out of like him and Flair as a pay per view main event for the title down the road. Oh yeah, I think you could have. But they, that's not what they seem to want to do. Even though they put Flair back in the ring like a year later. Yeah. But you know, whatever. They really made a lot of bad choices at that time frame. Mm-hmm. I really think, though, I really think they had... There was some juice because they teased it a little bit, and they did do that pay-per-view, but I think it wasn't just straight-up him versus Rob Van, Van Dam. It was him, and who was the third one in that? Oh, I don't know. Cause I remember I got that one because I thought... Because I thought like there was a slight chance they might have put it on Rob Van Dam. I think it was No Mercy in two thousand and one. I don't know. I, I can't. Uh, I'm not sure. But I mean, like, I think I think there was some juice to that. You could have done him and Booker T. I don't think you could have done him and DDP because I think DDP kind of did fall a little flat. Um, but I think. I think there are some there are some things you could have done that they just didn't seem interested in going with. Yeah, uh, it, 
there there were lots of things they could have done. Changing him to be the face of the the invasion side just aggravated dumb. me so much because it's like this is Steve Austin. Why in the world would you do this? Why would you have him be the face of the invasion? And it's like, well, because the answer is because we don't trust any of the guys there to be able to carry this. It's like, oh, cool. That's that's this is. You mean when the invasion was just WWF guys fighting with WWF guys? Basically, yeah. If you think about it, like imagine this is obviously like what could have been, but imagine if they had just shelled out big bucks to get like Goldberg, and you did Austin yeah. Goldberg. Um, you know, back when Austin could have actually still worked. Yeah, like that would have been. If that had actually happened, we would have, we would probably be talking about that, you know, twenty years later as as one of like the, the biggest WrestleMania main events in terms of actually like drawing money. Because at that time, like at this point in time when WrestleMania like seventeen was happening, like that would have been absolutely huge. Man, it's yeah. that he couldn't have could held have on been. for another couple of years. Could you think of like getting like Austin and like um, like Batista? Is like or like even if he they could have wrangled that Austin Lesnar match. Yeah, there's just uh, I, I I'm the story about when Austin w- walked out because they were trying to hot shot the Brock match leads me to believe that there probably would have been something else that wouldn't have done it because in Austin's own words he said I wasn't in a good place that was a bad decision to make I should not have walked out but I was I never I would not have done the match on just Raw. It's like okay, you know what? I get all that, but then it, we don't know how long he would have been able to hang around after that. Well, I think um, he was kind of gaunish when the domestic violence stuff happened, right? Well, uh, there were the one that broke public, but there were multiple um, multiple instances of it. Well, I was gonna say, so. I think I think if he had been an active member of the roster, that big that big one would have would have probably done him in for a while. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think him being gone, let that fly under the radar and they felt comfortable bringing him back. But I think if he had been like, even if he'd been like the world champion, that would have been like a massive black eye and they would have just for pure PR sake. I think they would have suspended him for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. So I think I think you're right in that I think I think when he walked out he was going to be gone within six months due to some reason because he was pretty he was pretty like he was pretty much just like an alcoholic at that point wasn't he? Yeah, he was pretty bad. Yeah, he was self medicating a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so I think I think he would have um. Like I said, I think that was just the inevitable at that point. So, Shad, I know you were writing this down on a spreadsheet. So do you see any similarities or large variances in our match? Selections? Well, um, let's let me see. Top fives. Uh, we had both Rock Austin matches were high. We OK. Between the three of us, both Rock Austin's and Hogan Savage were top three. The order might have changed a little bit. Um, Austin Michaels hit top five for all of us. Hogan Warrior hit top five for two of us. 
What's, uh, uh, hope... what's the worst match between the three of us? If you can just sparse that out by sight. What everybody said the worst match is. Yeah, what what we or... agree on. Hogan Sid is. Um, hang on. I might have been us on that one because I put that. Yeah, up. yeah, you put that up, <laughs> up to thirteen. Matt and I had Hogan Sid at sixteen. You had Taker Sid at fifteen. Matt had it at seventeen, and I had it at fifteen. Oh, so if we're going that. for just the nut low, Taker Sid seems to be. What about it. the four way? That was that low. Um, no, you put it kind of 12, high, 12, 14, 12. So it, it bad, but not it feels like not as offensive as some other stuff. What about um, Bundy and Hogan? Uh, let's see here. 13, 16, 14. That's so, too. yeah, and then I think we we all had Hart and Yokozuna about in that middle third, like both of them. Yeah, um, two of us had uh, Hart and Yokozuna. Okay, so there was a seven, eight, an eight and ten, and a nine and ten. So just kind of that—that's—that's that's the the middle swath. And then um, didn't we have kind of Hogan Andre all about in the same range too? Uh, four. Let me look. Four, oh, eleven, right. and six. So that's okay. kind of spread out. Interesting. They're similar lists yet very different in certain regards. Yeah, there's there's a lot of um, regular trends that come up, but then there's there's uh, some pretty good variants. You know, um, the biggest. Uh, we have a lot of instances where two of us put something real close to the other two, and then the other one has it varied off off by quite a bit. Wacky land. Yeah, and then um, like the biggest spread seems to be the the Hart Michaels Iron Man. You you got it at seven. Shit all the way over that. Well, Uh you've got it at seven. Matt's got it at thirteen, and I've got it at seventeen. I actually think so, if I if I redid this list, I might actually pull that down to nine. Because there's a couple I, things there's a couple things that I was talking with you guys that I would change. I would actually I would actually bump that down to nine and pull everything above it up, and then I would bump the four way down to seventeen and put everything above it <laughs> by one. Oh man. Yeah, your 17 was the Piper Orton, Hogan, Mr. T. Yeah. And that's... I'm still comfortable saying, though, I prefer Hogan Sid to, to Sid Taker now that I realize Sid Taker was 20 minutes long. Ain't nobody <laughs> got time for that. You're just reinforcing my point about the Iron Man match. No, I, the Iron Man match is, is terrible. I really was just giving it credit because, like... The actual work itself is confident, but you make good points about it being like just pointless and in in an insulting waste of your life force. Yeah, Um, it's it it has it's like the inverse. I can't remember where I saw it. I saw a clip a while back, but it was a uh, it was a clip from a show where there were these two guys in the ring and they were just. 
they were running full tilt, but they were quote unquote countering everything. And so it's like, hit the ropes. Now I hit the ropes. And it's like, I try to do something and you backflip out of it. And we come over here and we come over here and I reverse you. And it, it was like four minutes of them just going full tilt, but nobody ever actually does a move. It's like the, all of that right there is, well, it's just jerking off in the ring. It's like, look what I can do. And it's pointless. There's, you know there's no, you know, why you're everyone, not accomplishing anything on it. You know, why everyone does that is because they saw that ring of honor match with low key and amazing red, where they did like that crazy, like sequence at the start of the match. Um, well, it's a low key match, so I didn't watch it. Uh, but... If I could find, if I could find that sequence, like you still hate low key, but like they did some like really like cool, like almost cinematic esque, like Kung Fu movie stuff, like to counter each other. And like kind of go around it, but it was like it was like a minute and a half, and I think guys, you know, miss the point and then do eight minutes of that and wonder why the crowd got bored. Yeah, it's it's terrible. It, it because it's the same thing. You're wasting my time. You are not actually progressing the story any. You're it's, you're showing off, and I don't care. It's like they do that, and then instead of clapping, you just hear the cinem- you just hear the simultaneous munching of popcorn because everyone's that bored. Well, in this case, the clip that I saw, everybody's cheering because they're like, "Oh, it's so great!" And I'm just like, "Oh, I know." It's because just, the, just the, kill me. The problem is, and Matt will agree with me on this, I think, or might disagree, but a lot of indie shows, like the the crowd, is very disingenuous like they just it's kind of like what matt said before like you're supposed to clap seals and the crowd is all too willing to oblige with that sometimes for some really like mediocre shit just because that's what wrestling crowds do and we have to like show how smart and appreciative we are yeah that they'll kind of go into business for themselves oh god i hate crowds that do that it's like oh no you know we're gonna we're gonna do this stuff so everyone knows we were here and doing stuff. It's like I didn't I didn't pay admission, or I'm not watching this show to hear you jack offs. You know, do your chants or 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 whatever it is you're shouting or saying or anything like. I don't I don't want to hear it. I don't now, care. I will say one of my favorite crowd moments was at an ROH show in Dayton. A streamer got stuck in one of the ceiling fans. And it was spinning around and the crowd noticed and they started chanting streamer and then they were trying to get it out of this fan and they couldn't. And the more they struggled to like, it wouldn't come out of the fan, the harder the crowd cheered for it. And eventually the ring announcer got in the ring and he's like, everyone, I give you streamer. And then like the crowd just like went ape shit for it. And then did they leave it alone at that point? No, I think they finally got it down and then the crowd booed the shit out of them. Wow. I used to love that too at um, ECW shows because I went once. Those poor bastards, like when New Jack would do his stuff and like break things over people's heads, like, and then they had to sweep up all the debris. The crowd would just chant, sweep it up at them. I, if if there was one thing, the the one thing in the wrestling business, if I had the power to excise one thing, it would be the what chance. I would I would kill those with extreme prejudice and I would sleep well that night because what? <laughs> Probably I feel like people still do that and it's like dude it's like it's like 20 It got old 18 years ago. It is 20 years old now. 
Matt, you, you, we don't have cameras on right now, mm. but you didn't see me just tense up and grit my teeth when you did that. <laughs> it's like, like, um, it would be the, the, I would, I would keep that and get rid of the, this is awesome chant. This is awesome is overused, but it doesn't bother me that much because for the most part, it's they're at least trying to express some kind of appreciation. I, I feel like even it's if a they're going into it. business for themselves, because like it's like relax, guys. They just did a body slam. Or or well, how about how about this? Like it's like a at like a mediocre match. Mm hmm. Yeah. I, 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 I fight forever. Oh god! It's like okay, stop, please, yeah, stop. Yeah, yeah. It's that's, like that's... it's like if I could if I could pull this chair out of the floor and throw it at you, I would right now. That is one of those cases where you have some the they they start doing the fight forever chance or something like that. It's like okay, you guys are just doing it because you heard someone else do it and you want to be one of the cool kids. Don't do that. Just. Cheer for stuff you like, boo stuff you, you know, cheer the faces, boo the heel. That's great. But for God's sake, I do not want to hear, you know, it, I, I can't get too mad at this is awesome in general because, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to fly my Mark flag for just a second. Do you remember the, the, um, the shield Wyatt family match That's and all the though. tension That's that where it's actually warranted. Right, well, all the tension leading up to it, like they hadn't even touched each other, and the "This Is Awesome" chant breaks out because people are so excited for it. Okay, you know what? Cool. I can't blanket ban "This Is Awesome" chants because sometimes they're used appropriately, and when they're used appropriately, then you know it it's good and it's you know it's making the point and it's filling the role it's supposed to. The "What" chant only serves. To try and to go in a crowd to go into business for themselves and and take attention away from whoever's in the ring. There's better ways to jeer heels trying to like promo, like just boo really loudly. Yeah, just drown them out. Yeah, and they do that at some shows. Yeah, but don't don't what chant if you're out there listening. Take it from nothing. It, it nothing is just as I I'm just going to leave here and I'm never going to do a show here again because these people, you know, I, I hope these people never get to watch wrestling again for doing that. That's the kind of feeling you get when when that uh, the what chance break out. Now, how do you feel about crowds that aren't doing that to begin with, but someone's cutting a promo and it's really bad and they finally just had enough and that's their I, I, I don't care. They're out there cutting a promo. They're out there doing their job. Do I come where you're working and throw rocks at you while you're mowing? No. I mean, Just, it's a stinky could. promo. It's a stinky promo. It's going to be a stinky promo. It's happened before. It's going to happen again. Just deal with it. You know, tell the guy he sucks. And then in, go on with the show. Don't the now, what chance. What, I just what if they legitimately hmm. can't hear him? Then you chant, talk louder, or we can't hear you, or something like that. Do that. Don't what chant, okay? The well is poisoned. It's just, you, you, you're getting me wound up. I already had a big outburst on this show. Why are you winding me up again? Just because it's funny. <laughs> 
It's very late and it's I don't, funny. I, I don't. I don't. Oh, okay. If, yeah, maybe don't do that. I've got one in my back pocket that'll get the it'll get the show ended right quick. Well, I think I think that's it for this week. So yeah, we. I don't know if we're gonna come back with it next week, but because I have to find the footage, but we're going to do. A little bit of a lighter touch. We're going to probably do the Mr. Perfect for, versus the Doink the Clown series of matches to qualify for the King of the Ring in 1993. There are three matches. The final is on Raw, one is on Superstars, and one might be on Wrestling Challenge. I don't remember where the third one was, though. But they're, um, they're, they're surprisingly excellent little TV matches for the time. Mm-hmm. Because it's you know it's Matt Bourne who's awesome, who's who doesn't get the credit he probably should. No, and Kurt Hennig who who almost got the credit he should. I mean he was getting close in '93. Yeah. So anyway, we want to say thank you everybody out there for joining us for this episode. We're glad you were here with us. Um, do you think we were off base or? If you agree with our rankings, we would love to hear from you. Hit us up on social media. We do take requests, you know, provided they're they're not completely, you know, bonkers or something like that. We have that, to but... be able to find the footage. That's yeah. that's the one prerequisite. Um, don't don't be afraid to get a little crazy though, because I mean we've tracked down some obscure stuff before. It, that's true. That's happened. So. Um, we would love to hear from you guys. Check us out on YouTube um, and our affiliates. So this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time.